Good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Prince Charles is here again this morning as well. A lot to do on the program today. Today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Whether it's the NBA All-Star festivities, whether it's the Daytona 500, college basketball, whatever you're betting on, make sure you're taking advantage of all of the great offers available to you at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers including betting $5 with DraftKings and instantly getting $200 in bonus bets. Go right now, pressboxonline.com slash offers. On the program this morning, kind of all over the place, busy day. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Jordan Schultz from The Score, their NFL insider. He reported yesterday the thing that we were uh, kind of alluding to, the idea that the uh, Baltimore Ravens apparently would not ensure offensive coordinator candidates that they would have Lamar Jackson this season. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later on with Jordan Schultz. Also this morning we will talk about the guy the Ravens did hire as offense coordinator, Jacob Hester, former NFL receiver, return specialist, and he spent some time back quite a few years ago with Todd Munkin at LSU, so we will catch up with him. Also this morning, we will uh, chat with our buddy John Klossmeyer, crew chief for Chase Briscoe, getting ready for the Daytona 500. Not the only local connection I had forgotten, Tra the, the legend, Travis Pastrana, X Games legend, and uh, Annapolis' own is going to be racing in the Daytona 500, which is wild, man. Like, imagine just waking up one day and being like, ah, I think I'll go try to run in the Daytona 500, right? Like, holy smokes, it's very cool. Yes. Isn't the Malcolm in the Middle kid on the series too? I, I don't, can't remember I don't the actor's I don't, name. I don't believe he is in like not at that level. I think he races. No. I don't think it's it's there. It's I heard somewhere that he was on like the whatever. I don't know if they call it a series or a tour in NASCAR. Like the the multiple races they do in a season. Yeah, I mean, I I think yeah. he race. I just don't think it's at the top. Level. Okay, like I don't think it's there. I think he does some sort of racing. I don't know what. I, yeah, I gotta like be honest. Like with you, I don't. Arca, Frankie Muniz. Yes, is Frankie Muniz. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, not quite at Arca. that level. And I don't believe that uh, Travis Pastrana is trying to race like all season. I think he just wanted to run in the Daytona 500 because he's Travis Pastrana, and yeah. it's it, it. Everything about this sounds about right. He just gets a bug up his ass about something. He's like, I'll just go do it. Like that's what he does. That's. I think he did a bit a couple years ago. Where he like j jumped over the river in Annapolis. He was just like, eh, I kind of want to do it. I'm gonna go do it now. Like that's that's just who he is. I love Travis Pastrana. He's awesome. So uh, that's very cool. But we'll talk to John Klausmeyer about uh, their chances of winning the Daytona 500, and we'll preview Maryland Purdue tonight. Uh, Jerry Palm from CBS Sports, who is uh, very much a Purdue man, is gonna check in with us and uh, preview tonight's game. So that's all on tap today. I just want to spend a minute here. I see for whatever reason that there's this reply tweet that Jeff Zrebeck sent this morning that Ravens fans are, like, reacting to in, in some sort of way. Like, it's him. I've seen the words bombshell. I've seen, like, I, I don't know what to make of it. Somebody tweeted at Jeff, or Jeff tweeted at someone named Josh Rodriguez and said, I don't think they're waiting on that. The holdup is they simply haven't been willing to bridge the, or haven't been able to bridge the gap between what Le he, Lamar Jackson, wants and what they're willing to pay. UTY on Twitter quote tweeted it and said, We becoming a terrible franchise, sad to say, only team that disrespects our superstar quarterback, SMH. To which Jeff Zrebeck replied, Jeff Zrebeck, of course, the Ravens beat writer for The Athletic, replied, They've been more than willing to make him second or third highest paid player in NFL and give him most up front. He's entitled to say no, but we're going to have to agree to disagree about that being disrespectful. 
And I don't know why people are reacting this tweet so strongly. Like, as if they're saying, like, I don't. I really don't know what the point is. I had a few different people send it to me. Like it. It means something. This this guy Sean. It's proving that the Ravens are being more than reasonable to a quarterback who has missed one third of the season the last two years. I think that's the point everyone is missing here. The guy doesn't play in December and January. Why pay top dollar for that? Best ability is availability. I mean, it's. I don't know what else to say to you, guy. Like everyone that has convinced themselves that because Lamar Jackson has missed the end of the season for the last two years, that means he's never played in December or January. I, you're an idiot. I can't pussyfoot around it anymore. You're an idiot. Like, there's some sort of thing that says if this happens, that means it's always going to happen. I know you want it to be a negotiating ploy. To Jeff's point, do I think the Ravens are evil because they're trying to negotiate? No, that's how negotiating works. The point is that they don't get to determine what Lamar Jackson's value is. They want it to be that way. They want these things to matter. When Drew brings them up, when Stan brings them, whoever, everybody wants those things to matter. Well, that should help you get a better deal. It doesn't matter. You guys are bringing negotiating tactics that matter in, I don't know, your negotiations with your boss. There's one thing that matters in the NFL. Are you a high-end quarterback or not? Everything else is nonsensical. It's the stuff you want to matter because you want to do better in the negotiations to get a better deal. The market has very clearly stated in the NFL... You're a high-level quarterback or you aren't. You're a quarterback that a team believes they can win a Super Bowl with or you aren't. And everything else is just noise. It might matter at another position. Like, it might matter somewhere else. It might. I don't know. This, we just throw out these. The best avail, ability is availability. I, like, I get it that your college Division three coach said that to you once upon a time. No offense, Charles. Like, I understand that. It's a cute buzzword. Pretending like it's relevant in negotiating over Lamar Jackson just makes you look stupid. The NFL is quarterback desperate at the moment. That's it. Half of the league goes into next season believing they have no chance because they don't have a quarterback. So if any one of those desperate teams is willing to give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed $250 million contract, then the Ravens aren't offering him market value. Now, you want to get you know lost in the word disrespectful? I don't give a rat's ass about it. It's crazy to me that a team would have a quarterback and have a chance and sign up for a scenario where they don't have a quarterback and don't have a chance. That's poppycock. That's insanity. But that's their choice. And if you want to wish that Lamar Jackson would do something more team-friendly, then wish that Lamar Jackson would do something more team-friendly. I, I don't know what that's going to get you. With that and a nickel, you'd have a nickel. But that's the reality. 
if any, if the Atlanta Falcons, who, as you remember, were deeply in on Deshaun Watson a year ago, desperately in, if the Atlanta Falcons would give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed $250 million contract on the open market, then that's what Lamar Jackson's value is. You don't have to like it. You can be mad about it. You can, I don't know why. I don't know why you would care. You can do whatever you want. But that's how this works. And all of your nonsense, yeah, but he, well, he didn't play in December, is irrelevant. It just doesn't matter. You want it to matter for whatever reason. You've decided that you care about this. I, I don't know why. But you want that to matter. In reality, it doesn't. The Ravens almost certainly want it to matter. They want to be able to negotiate. I get that. To some extent, I get that. Like, for a while, I get it. Until it hurts you. Until you get to the point where you've attempted to negotiate, you didn't get a deal done, and now you're up against it. That you run the risk of not having a quarterback. That's the moment where it's no longer something I understand. The NFL exists in two worlds. One where you have a quarterback and have a chance. By the way, even those teams, it don't feel great right now because the dude at the top of the heap looks like he's so effing good that even if you have a quarterback, you might be in trouble. But if you don't, you have zero chance. None. No prayer. Like, insane how we keep missing this. You want these other things to matter. That's God bless you. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Get, get worked up. Scream about it. You know, get, go I, I, call your mom. Be mad. I, Lamar, Lamar Jackson should get less money. He didn't play in December. I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, I would also say maybe seek help if you care that deeply about it. Like, I don't know why you care. And if, by the way, you've decided that you don't care if the Ravens have a chance at winning the Super Bowl next year, if you've decided that you're good with that, then don't care about whether or not they move on from Lamar Jackson. Because if they don't have a quarterback, they don't have a chance. And, I mean, if there's another way to go about getting a world-class quarterback, as I said, if, if, if one of these dudes, if you can trade up and get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young and you're confident they can become a world-class quarterback in the NFL in their rookie season, then, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel that strongly about it, but if you do, God bless. But this is, I mean, it's a, it's a wild world, man, where we try to ignore reality. The reality is the market value is determined by what someone could get on the open market, not by what you or the Ravens want it to be. And if you can't look around and see why so many teams in the NFL are desperate, I mean desperate, for a quarterback, so much so that they would probably be willing to do what the last team did that was desperate for a quarterback, you're kidding yourself. You're doing it to make yourself feel better. I'll save it. We'll talk more about Lamar Jackson, I promise. And... We'll probably have months more of it to discuss until something happens in some form or fashion. 
uh, coming up this Sunday is they detate Daytona 500. And every year we like to welcome in an old, old buddy of mine, uh, Perry Hall native, UMBC alum, Calvert Hall alum, and the crew chief for one, Chase Briscoe. Hopefully this is the year he goes and wins this thing. And I put a bet on him every year, so I need it to pay come up. I need it to pay off for me at some point. He is our friend, John Klausmeyer, and he's back with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Man, thanks for having me. Put a little extra pressure there putting bets on us each year. Hey, so man, I don't, more incentive I don't, to get it done this year. I don't hold it I don't hold it against you. It's just, you know, for fun, right? <laughs> like the year that you win, I want to be able to say, Yeah, I put some money on my guy John Klausmeyer. That's the way that it goes. That sounds good. Hopefully we can do that sooner than later. Uh, all right, so tell me why it's gonna why is it gonna happen this year? Why are you gonna win the Daytona five hundred this year with Chase? Well, we've got new Mustang bodies. Ford's done a lot of work in the offseason. We uh, had qualifying last night, and I um, think, gosh, seven of the top ten were Fords. So I feel really good about that. Um, we were fast, fastest in the first round, and then we, we ended up six. So we got good speed in the car, so I feel good about that. We've got a, a year under our belt with this next-gen race car, so we should uh, feel, feel good about it. We did last year with some momentum in the playoffs and whatnot, Got made it to the round of eight and looking to take off this year with that and, and hit the ground running. I love everything about that. I, I saw that you guys like had like a front row type of time, like that you guys that it, it's running pretty well this week. Yeah, it's going well. Um, we obviously we got here yesterday. We didn't have any practice, so you have no practice and you go and qualify. So um, it, it, it's actually it's not the easiest thing just to show up and not have any laps on the track and then go out and it matters for qualifying. So to go out and we were. Uh, with front row times for the first round um, is pretty impressive. So really happy with that. That's awesome, man. John Klausmeyer is with us. He is the crew chief for Chase Briscoe. Um, this year's 500 is getting a lot of attention. By the way, normally I, I talk to you because you're like the only local guy. This year there's another local dude that has nothing yeah. to do with NASCAR that's making a lot of waves down there. Um, tell me about like a night like last night where there's a lot of national attention and Travis Pastrana yeah. and the legend Jimmy Johnson are qualifying for the 500. Like, what does that do for the entire I, – I don't know if there's, like, a part of you guys that's like, Jesus Christ, can't we just, like, get the real racers to be – like, what does it do for the whole sport going into the biggest race of the year to have so much more attention and guys that are making waves and maybe making a few more eyeballs look your way than normally there would be? No, it's just that, you know, this is, this is our biggest race all year. So if we can have those big name guys come and race with us and, and bring new fans to the sport and put new eyes on us and, you know, kind of kick the season off with a lot of momentum, that's what we look to do. So really excited. As you said, another Marylander. Um, so they qualified and they locked their way in, uh, Travis and Jimmy both. So um, you got some guys that, and again, we had no practice um, leading up to qualifying. So Travis Pastrana jumps in a, in a, car last night and he goes fast enough to qualify himself in lock himself into the to the race so it's pretty impressive it shows you what kind of talent those guys are and and the same with jimmy so to have him back he went to indycar last year and then kind of is going to come back and do a select race with us and um get that exposure it, it, it's awesome and just kind of build momentum for the season i mean dude it's it's look i think i i don't know anything so you can tell me if i'm an idiot it sounds to me <laughs> Like, it's absolutely absurd that someone could just step in and qualify for the Daytona 500. Would you say, like, I mean, Jimmy Johnson's Jimmy Johnson, right? Like, the guy's a, a yeah. legend in the sport. But for Travis, yeah. like, would you say, hey, you know, actually, given all of his racing background, it's not really all that surprising to me? Like, what? 
is it as amazing as I think it is for a dude to just sort of decide one day, like, I'm going to go try to qualify for the Daytona 500 and, and actually do it? No, it is. It's, it's no small feat, but you know, obviously those guys are built different, right? So you jump in and, and hold the throttle so that Daytona were wide open all the way around the track, and you're hitting 200 miles an hour. The cars kind of bounce on the bumps. There's some character in the track moving around, but you know, Pastrana, he'll be the first one. He, I think, you know, you look at the jumps and stuff that he does for the first attempt, no practice and, and just right. sends it. And that's, that's the mentality that it takes there. So I think that that kind of came into his wheelhouse and just got after it and, and didn't really, and thought about it after maybe, but are you, are you that's at just all how, he, uh, the, how he rolls. The dude has suffered literally every injury known to man. Like he's, he's an insane <laughs> person. Are you at all worried about like him trying to do something crazy on the track this year? I, I don't think so. I think that those guys will, you know, they know what their, okay. their limits are by this point, and I, okay. they'll they'll work with, you know, their um, teammates and whatnot. It's a little bit different animal at Daytona than others, where you kind of have to work with teammates and you can't kind of go on your own or, or make any uh, bad decisions. So, um, no, I, I don't. It's funny. We were, he was walking to the garage and everyone was joking. It was just how much titanium is probably in his body, you know, and kind of <laughs> the way he walks and everything. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome to have a guy of that caliber, though, in, in our sport. So. That's awesome. John Klausmeyer is with us, crew chief for Chase Briscoe, getting ready for the Daytona 500 on Sunday. And I guess after we saw what uh, Ross Chastain did at the end of last year, there really can't be anything more insane, right? Like, there's, what could you possibly no. do that would be more insane than attempting to ride the rail all the way into a finish line? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know these guys—they're—they're they're wired differently, right? So yeah. You never know what they're thinking at any time. So uh, I mean, that—that that was spectacular, and I'm sure there's going to be something else that's going to go down in history as being, you know, spectacular in the future. But yeah, that's, that one's going to be hard to top. Yeah, sure. I was going to say, like, what do you say to Chase after everybody sees something like that? Like, do you say like, "Hey, man, if we're ever in that position, that's a hell of an idea," or do you say like, "No, never do that. <laughs> like, never, ever, ever do that. There's no way that ever works again." <laughs> yeah. I, Actually, he did it at Martinsville the very next week. Chase was already talking about how to do it at Phoenix and how it would work and what he would have to do different. So it's monkey see, monkey do. But, yeah, um, I think I think it could go – the probability of going wrong is way greater than it going right. <laughs> right. It, it worked out for him. But, Just driving so full – You got to way that. Driving full speed straight into a wall, man. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, I mean, he was he was pulling five and a half Gs. He said his vision was starting to get blurry there at, towards Jesus, the end of the wall. Jesus, dude. So it's pretty long. I was there to pass – I was at Disney World with the kids a couple weeks ago, and we did, like, the, this, the, the thing where you – like pretend like you're doing a space shuttle launch, and I damn near passed out yeah. in that moment. I can't even imagine yeah. what that yeah. would be like. Um, no, exactly. Your your relationship now being around Chase for a little while. Can you tell me? I I, I think as many times as I've talked to you, I've never really understood like yeah. exactly what the role is, crew chief. I think a crew chief, and I think almost like coach, right? But like, is that true, or is it more the car's coach than the driver's coach? No, so it's it, it's very similar to being kind of the head coach on a on a uh, football team or any other team. It's just um, I have a lot of guys that work under me. I I talk to Chase directly, and then we have a spotter that talks to and communicates with Chase during the race. And it's kind of you're the guy that kind of has everything in a five thousand foot view and making sure everyone's kind of going in the right direction. Everything's going in the right direction how you want it, you know. And when things are good, it's good. Obviously, when it's bad, it comes down on you too, right? You have to make decisions uh, in the heat of the moment and and split second decisions, but. Um, I have a, a crew of a road, a road crew that travels with us, um, you know, every week, Thursday to Sunday, we're pretty much gone, but those guys are, they're experts in all their fields. And it's just, when you have good guys like that around you, it's, it's just making sure that everything's kind of moving in the right direction and um, making the final say. But 
um, I'm blessed to have a lot of good guys with me. So it's cool. It's, uh, you're, you're the guy that you can be the hero or sometimes the zero, but you know, that that's, that comes with the territory. I feel like it's almost the exact opposite. Isn't it more like, you know, if you guys succeed, that chase will get all the praise. Yeah. And if you guys, something goes wrong, then everybody will just sort of blame you. Right. Like, isn't that normally the way that it goes? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's not always, but it's, sometimes it's a no-win situation, but uh, you know, when you you do this, it's the, the competition and, and going every week. It's it's essentially kind of a, a final exam every week, right? Like you you go and you show up, you see how you stack up to your competition, and and you have to change things depending on the racetrack you're going to, and it's how how much speed you get out of the car. It's how well you can work together, how well your pit crew works together, and there's a lot of things that go into it, but the, the competitiveness, it's it's second to none, and that's, that's what I, I strive for. I, I don't know if I've, again, these are questions I don't know that I've ever asked you. Like, John, did you, like, w- was the plan for you to drive, did you have to at some point, like, say, no, that's not the path for me, this is a hell of a job, I'll take this, or was it always... You know, like, no, I'm not, that, that, that's not for me being the guy behind the wheel. This was always the role that you wanted to have. Yeah, I would say it's a ladder. So I've always, growing up, my you know parents have a repair shop there in yep. Perry Hall. So I've yep. been around cars my entire life. I would take car parts, part, carburetors apart when I was five, six years old, put them back together. Like, I always liked the mechanical side of things, then go to school for engineering. Um, I never really had aspirations of driving. Um, it, I mean, I, it, it's a thrill. It, it, it's fun, but I, I really like the the technology and, and the mechanical aspects of the sport. I mean, that's it's cool. And of course, I think everybody's driven past Klaus Meyer and Sons on Bel Air Road at, at some point. If you <laughs> haven't gone there before, every day on the, when I was going to Perry Hall High School, I drove past it every day <laughs> in my life, and there was always a big uh, Kathy Klaus Meyer sign right out in front of it <laughs> every time I did. Um, John, yeah. what would it mean? What would it What would it mean to you now that you've been in this for a little while and you've been at this high <laughs> level for a little while and you've tasted success, right? Like you've won races. Yeah. What would it mean for you? This is the, you know the the grand daddy of them all if you will right like what would it mean for you to win the daytona 500 yeah it's it's definitely it's a career defining win uh it, it's the holy grail of our sport so i've won it as a race engineer uh, back in 2017 but yeah. i've never won it as a crew chief came close a couple of times and then just get taken out or, or something happened but yeah it's it's the it's the pinnacle of, of everything so i mean it, it it would be huge and it's like i said it's something that you have that trophy and that's kind of that's your biggest win in your career um, whenever you win at Daytona 500. So um, that's what it means. So every year we kind of come and try to make, give ourselves the best chance to put ourselves in position. But, it, you know, a lot of things that have to go right to, to make it work. But we've been close. I think last year we actually finished third. So we just need to do two more spots better and, and we'll be good. All right, let's, let's get it done. Let's go get it done. I'm putting, I'm putting everything. I'm betting the house on Chase Briscoe right, on no Sunday. Let, let's go for it. <laughs> Uh, at John K. Lax on Twitter is how you follow him, and uh, and it'll give you an opportunity to root for him. I guess there's be con- there'll be conflict for the first time this year because I do actually I've, I really like Travis too. He's a hell of a guy, and like he's been a regular over the years. And uh, but I, I promise you, I'm yeah. ro- I'm rooting for you on Sunday, John. I I, I want to see this one be yours, man. Uh, John Klausmeyer, right. best of luck. Always appreciate you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. All right. It's- Thanks for having me, sir. Appreciate it. John Klossmeyer with us, crew chief for Chase Briscoe, as they get ready for the Daytona 500 on Sunday. And, yeah, I mean, I had never I had never had a conversation. Believe it or not, like I had never had Travis Pastrana on the show until a couple years ago. I think during the pandemic, um, I just said to Kyle, I'm like, dude, I've, we've never actually – I don't think we've ever had him on the show. Like I had done an event with him at one point, and I just never had him on the show. And, like, my God, he's just one of the coolest humans 
there is. Like, he's just the type of person that his entire life has been like, I want to do this, and then gone and done it. So I was like, let's track him down. Let's find. And we ended up doing like a 30 minute conversation. It was one of the coolest conversations I've ever had. Um, and and I've, I've talked to him a couple times since. So I'm, I love me some Travis Pastrana, but um, I mean, his life is okay if he doesn't win the Daytona <laughs> 500 on Sunday. <laughs> he's done plenty of things. Um, some feedback from our my opening soliloquy there. Ivan, if Lamar could have finished the last two seasons healthy, then maybe he could ask for even more. If being, what, what is in our brains that convinces us that that matters? I don't know what the parallel is. I've, I'm so lost. I get why you think it should matter. Do you understand that Deshaun Watson hadn't played in two years and got a fully guaranteed contract? Now, you can say all you want about, well, but I don't think that's smart business, or I think the Browns made it. You can say whatever you want to say. Thank you. It's the market. Like, you're just choosing to ignore fact. Over what you feel like fact should be. Fact is you have to have a quarterback. Have to. Or you are without prayer. And it's not like it's so much worse than it was. There was a time where you could have like a back end. Like as long as you had a top like 20 quarterback. You had a prayer. Now, Charles knows he's a Vikings fan. You could have Kirk Cousins, who's a solid NFL quarterback, and still feel like you don't have a prayer. Teams that felt like they answered the quarterback position. The guy some of you have decided you're in love with, Derek Carr. And you don't feel like you have a prayer. Despite the fact that you had to pay someone an absurd amount of money to become your quarterback, and you still feel like you don't have a prayer. You have to have the highest echelon of quarterback and have a lot of other things go right. That's what the market is. The market is either we have one of those guys or we're effed. We can't win with, insert name here. It's why the Seahawks are still dragging their feet over Geno Smith, who had by all any measurement, an outstanding season. An outstanding season. But the Seahawks still don't know. There's some thought that they're going to get a deal done because, again, if they don't have him, what do they have? But there's a reason why they're slow to do it because they know they might be locking themselves in for being just good enough to not be good enough. That's what quarterback is in the NFL. That's what this debate is. That's why Lamar Jackson, despite dealing with two injuries the last two seasons, looks around and says, yeah, it doesn't change what I'm looking for. Why would you think that? And you guys continue to clamor about it because you're missing the point. You just want to say things like, well, it's time to move on. To what? What is it time to move on to? 
And some of you will say, well, they found Lamar Jackson last time. That's true. You're betting all of your hopes on lightning striking twice? And the reason the Browns set the market at where they did is because they tried to find that Deshaun Watson for 20 years. Lots of teams have attempted desperately. The New York Jets, for the entire history of their organization, post-Joe Namath, who, in fairness, was not quite as good as his reputation would make you believe it was, probably the worst... I don't know. I was going to say the worst Hall of Fame quarterback. Terry Bradshaw was maybe the worst Hall of Fame quarterback. We just happened to win a thousand Super Bowls, so he was going to get into the Hall of Fame. I don't know. But at least post-Joe Namath, they've spent their entire history looking for that guy. And every time they think they have one, it becomes a disaster, and now they're desperate for a 40-year-old to come save them. That's what you're signing up for. Because you're obsessed with the idea that Lamar Jackson should just take a little bit less. And again, the part that's insane to me is that the debate still isn't actually about the value of the contract. Like, that's what makes this so nuts. You're working yourself into a lather about this when the debate is mostly moot. In any even remotely normal scenario, Lamar Jackson's going to get every penny of whatever contract he ends up being given. The only question is, will it have to be put in escrow up front or not? That's it. You're looking for back-end cap flexibility if something goes disastrously wrong. But if something goes disastrously wrong at the end of the contract, you're in the same situation you're willing to sign up for today, which is not having a quarterback. What are we doing? Am I taking crazy pills? This is insane. Not many locker rooms with two Pro Bowl QBs. Thank you, thank you, Charles. <laughs> we'll keep doing this bit. Keep doing that bit. Like I, I, I keep trying to say I understand, but then I, I keep thinking through it. I'm like, no, I don't understand. You people are nuts. And there's a difference between me saying, again, I'm not going to come out and say I think the Ravens are evil or I think that they're the worst-run franchise in sports or something like that, but I think it would be a stain on an organization to fumble the quarterback position. A stain. Now, as I keep saying, could they find somebody? Could they make a trade and land a top-five pick and Bryce Young is just that guy? Maybe. I can't promise you they can't. Betting the farm on it when the difference in what you're negotiating over is literally a, an, a, an insurance plan for five years down the road is about as crazy as it gets. I mean, this is nuts. Again, unless they know something that we don't, unless they know something about Lamar Jackson's health that he'll never be the same, what, unless there's something there that we're not aware of, and you guys most certainly are not aware of. This is bonkers. But keep telling yourself, keep obsessing over, you know, what he didn't play and keep obsessing over it because I, I don't know, it makes you feel better when you sleep at night. I don't know. 
In the NFL, you either have a quarterback or you don't. That's it. List right now the teams that you think have a chance at winning a Super Bowl next year. Go ahead. Do it. Who do you think has a chance at winning the Super Bowl next year? The Bengals. The Bengals. The Chiefs. The Chiefs. The, the, the Bills. The Bills. Eagles again, I guess. Sure, the Eagles. Right now, it's hard to think past those four. Yeah. I understand because it feels like those four have separated themselves. Jags, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't mean, and I, even I, for the, the teams outside of the Chiefs, because of how well Mahomes is playing, like say you're Buffalo, even you have your quarterback, but you're still probably as stuck as the Ravens are. Like, how are we going to figure out how to beat Mahomes? I mean, that's that's. I mean, there's that. That part of it is is overwhelming, obviously, but you have a chance to compete with him. Yeah, if you have a quarterback. I mean, the Bengals damn near did, right? Like, they damn near beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game and gave themselves an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Hell, I mean, the Jaguars were in that game, too. Let's be fair. If they don't fumble the ball going in to score a touchdown, like, I don't know what happens in that game. So if you want to put the Jaguars on the list, put the Jaguars on the list. But what do they have? Quarterback. A quarterback! (laughs) It ain't hard! The teams that have a chance are the teams that have quarterbacks. Right, so you add the Ravens, but the current roster, you add the Ravens to that list. If they have a quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Because I, I don't even think – I don't, don't think and many people would put the 49ers in that list just because – I do think not, the 49ers are on that list, but yeah. there is the question of who that quarterback but it's is. It's one of those things yes. where it's like how how do you roll over that momentum into a second season? It's, it's a fair question, and I don't know yeah. the answer. Either Brock Purdy pro- proves himself to be the quarterback, and obviously his injury situation complicates so much for them. Like they are in such a difficult spot, and I – you know, somebody would say it's a good problem to have because you think you might have a couple of different guys that could be quarterbacks, but like I don't know for sure that you definitely have one, like one that's that high of level. But I'll absolutely put the 49ers in that conversation because they deserve to be in that conversation. They were right there. They look like one of the best teams in football this year. I, that that's your one anomaly, maybe. There might be one anomaly where there's a team that doesn't definitively have a quarterback that only might have a quarterback we're just not sure about yet. So you're rolling the dice that you can somehow be that one team. How do those odds look to you? I think it's uh, no quarterback. You're in the, the plus hundreds of thousands. With the quarterback, you at least get into that tens of thousands, a thousand. It's, it's nuts. It's nuts. All right. You have a chance, but if no quarterback, you're in the cellar. At least with a quarterback, you're yes, you're in the kitchen. You're in the you have room. you have an opportunity. That's I, and it I, like it sounds like a four year old talking. I, f- I feel like I'm sounding like a five. Well, you either have the, yes, that's how it works, and for some reason we're struggling with it because for some reason we want to feel like we're winning in negotiating. Yeah, but we won negotiations. Did you? Did you? Or do you not have a quarterback? I d- sorry, sorry. I get. I don't know how to do this. I really don't know how to keep having these conversations. I'm so befuddled by what this is. It is effing weird, man, these conversations. All right. Uh, if you're looking for a career change, Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. They've got an event coming up on this February 25th. At the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can do your agility test, your written test. You can apply right there on site. Uh, cadet salary started over $32,000 a year. 
entry-level officers at over $60,000 a year, lateral officers at $64,000 a year, with a $10,000 signing bonus available for entry-level and lateral officers. You have a passion for service. You're looking for a career for life. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com or 410-887-5542 to find out more. If those date, that date doesn't work for you, they'll work with you to figure out what the right time is for to get you involved. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com. We'll come back in. We'll talk a little bit. About Jordan Schultz is going to join us later, but I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about his report yesterday because I also find that to be quite relevant about the reality of the circumstances and we're also going to talk some college hoops. Jerry Palm from CBS is going to join us to preview Maryland-Purdue tonight. That's all on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Yeah, it's a fair question. I'm not going to argue about that. Hey, uh, Stan the Fan Charles and Gary Stein tonight are going to be previewing the CIAA tournament, which comes back to Baltimore next week at the new-ish CFG Bank Arena. I actually I saw some reporting about that. Apparently, like, they're only opening part of the arena for the CIAA tournament. It's not going to be, like, the full unveiling of the arena. 
that'll be explained tonight when Stan and Gary Stein catch up with Jackie McWilliams, the commissioner of the CIAA, as well as uh, Al Hutchinson from Visit Baltimore. Check that out, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Um, I don't want to keep harping because we're just it's going to be the same conversation tomorrow. Like this is not going away until like so we can just keep doing this eternally as far as Lamar Jackson's situation is concerned. And I'll lose my mind the same way. I just the, the facts aren't going to change unless they do. Right. Like unless again, we were to learn something about Lamar Jackson just saying, I don't care what you offer. I'm not going to sign in Baltimore or again, the Ravens finding out something about an injury, but if they knew something about that, they most certainly wouldn't want it to come out because it would also hurt his trade value. So I, until we learn something, it's just going to be the same thing every day. I do think it's quite interesting for multiple reasons that and the reason why we're having Jordan Schultz on in the second hour of today's show is because I think his report yesterday about Lamar's influence on the Ravens offensive coordinator search speaks to the question that we were asking on Tuesday the tweet that I sent out that you guys got all hot and bothered about that as it turns out might be exactly what I was wondering. Jordan Schultz, if for whatever reason you missed it, um, he took to Twitter or took to the score this week and said, sources, OC candidates who interviewed with the Ravens were not given full assurances that Lamar Jackson will be the quarterback next season. Baltimore is clear it wants Lamar back, but truly doesn't know what the offseason holds. Now, that's relevant for a few reasons. The first is because there might be some people who have convinced themselves that no matter what, Lamar Jackson is going to be the quarterback because at the end of the day, the worst case scenario is he plays on the franchise tag and you got to do some, it, it's going to cost your ability to go sign some players or whatever you want to do, but at least you'll know you have Lamar Jackson. This report suggests that's not the case. This report suggests that the Ravens are very clearly considering a world in which Lamar Jackson is simply not their quarterback ever again. Now, it doesn't mean that it's a guarantee. It doesn't mean that they won't end up doing the franchise tag thing. It's just that they have not internally decided that beyond a shadow of a doubt, Lamar Jackson is going to be their quarterback. I think a lot of people got worked up about by John Harbaugh's 200% thing. I don't think you guys listened to what the question was. The question wasn't, are you guaranteeing that Lamar Jackson's going to be your quarterback? The question was, do you still want him to be your quarterback the same way that you did a year ago? Go try to find that audio somewhere, like the back and forth with the question, because the question was important, and we have manipulated it to try to hold it against the Ravens. Well, you, what happened to all that 200% talk? Well, you got to go back and revisit that or pull up the transcript. I could probably find the transcript. Um, that was not actually what was asked of John Harbaugh that we have taken to be some sort of guarantee that Lamar Jackson was going to be the quarterback. That was not the question. Hang on a second. I can find this because I'm... I'm the professional around here. I'll be the one to do it. Let me pull it up. 200. i got to search for this. Um, the question was from Childs Walker. You have both said unequivocally that you want quarterback Lamar Jackson at the center of this team for years to come. Is that as much the case today as it was, say, this time last year? Again, listen to the question again. You have both said unequivocally that you want quarterback Lamar Jackson at the center of this team for years to come. Is that as much the case today as it was, say, this time last year? The response from John Harbaugh 
Now, for whatever reason, we've distorted that answer in the way that we've discussed it to make it seem like what John Harbaugh was saying was 100% he's going to be the quarterback next year. Listen to the question again. You have both said unequivocally that you want Lamar Jackson at the center of this team for years to come. Is that as much the case today as it was, say, this time last year? John Harbaugh did not say 200% Lamar Jackson is going to be the quarterback. What he said was, 200%, I want Lamar Jackson to be the quarterback. Which, for the record, I believe. Because John Harbaugh's not stupid. He knows the same thing we do. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Now, why we've distorted it, how it began that we've distorted that comment to make it so that John Harbaugh offered some sort of like guarantee that Lamar Jackson was going to be here, I, you know, I guess I'll blame Twitter for that. I don't know who I blame for it. I mean, we've, we dumbed down everything. But he never said that. That was never a thing that came up. Even if he had said that, I would have reminded everybody, like, you know, hey, this is a press conference where people lie. But he didn't even say that. He just said that he 100% wanted Lamar Jackson to be the quarterback. This report tells us that the Ravens are prepared for a world where they're he isn't the quarterback. To wit, so much so that it might have cost them a candidate. And that's one of the things I want to ask Jordan Schultz. I, I'm not trying to knock Jordan, but like when I said yesterday that Adam Schefter, everything that he gets is vetted through a team, that's not the same for every reporter in the NFL. The more likely scenario is that Jordan Schultz got that from someone who interviewed So the question becomes, is it possible that not being willing to give a coordinator candidate that assurance led to you missing out on the candidate that you actually wanted? And as I kept discussing the possibility of why was it that Eric Bieniemy was a prime candidate six days ago, but instead you hired a guy that you could have hired two weeks ago, well, we were running out scenarios like, well, maybe Eric Bieniemy was given assurances by the Chiefs that perhaps he's going to be some sort of head coach in waiting, and so why would he move on? Well, today, what is Eric Bieniemy doing? He's interviewing in Washington. So it doesn't seem likely that Eric Bieniemy was given an assurance by the Kansas City Chiefs that he was some sort of head coach in waiting. So Eric Bieniemy went from being a prime candidate for the job from a reporter where everything gets vetted by a team to instead not being an option for the Baltimore Ravens and they hired a guy that they could have hired two weeks ago. And we learn that not that offensive coordinators were not given an assurance that Lamar Jackson would be the quarterback. Now I can't tie those things together I can't do that, and it would be wrong for me to attempt to because I have no fact to base that with. But here's what I can say. It would suggest that it's possible that the Baltimore Ravens wanted anyone as their prime candidate to be offensive coordinator and were willing to risk losing that person over not wanting to pay Lamar Jackson his market value. And again, you might be okay with that. 
Like, you might just say, and I'll say a million times, the only actual part that matters in terms of this is how does the hire work out they made? It was pointed out to me in the last couple days. John Harbaugh wasn't their first choice either. We all remember famously that Steve Bishotti was in love with Jason Garrett. But Jason Garrett's wife visited Baltimore and didn't want to move here. And so they had to pivot. Correct? <laughs> Do it for Bless you, Mrs. Yeah. Garrett. We will always... <laughs> you the real MVP. Oh, of course, Jason and his people. Yeah, right, right. Um, worked out pretty great. And so it's totally possible the Ravens had somebody else in mind, whether it was Eric Bieniemy or whoever, that they wanted to be their number one guy, missed out on that person, and got the right guy instead. And that's all that matters. But it does speak to this situation and how kind of crazy it is. If you're ultimately going to get something done with Lamar Jackson, dragging your feet to get it done might have cost you the right fit at offensive coordinator. Might not, but might have. This isn't helping anybody. You've done this to yourself. The Ravens are a very well-run organization. They're, they're held up by a lot of people around football as being one of the more model organizations in the sport. But this is bad. Like, this is a bad way of doing business, dog. I think the fact that they have that reputation and that all this is developing now is kind of giving people around the league kind of the feeling of, yeah, you didn't even have to tell us that he might not come back. It looks like he's not going to come back. Well, like, I mean, I, right now, like I, I think if somebody was putting betting odds, I don't know that it would even it's be. It's just out of, out of character for the Ravens to be nas- national offseason news in general. They usually just take care of this stuff right. before it gets sure. to the point where it's on ESPN. I mean, it's talked about on right. NFL.com I mean, and like, such. Look, yeah. you know, one, the last time they had a quarterback they had to pay, they, they went into free I mean they had to franchise tag that guy and wait until July in order to get a deal done like was it July I'm trying to remember exactly when they finally got the contract signed man I you're asking me to remember things that happened 11 years ago and I can't remember things that happened 11 hours ago so I don't know if I have the timeline together I do have the timeline together on Jason Garrett's wife but not on that <laughs> for some reason like I I I don't I don't know what to make of it, but allowing the unknown of your quarterback situation to hang over your ability to find an offensive coordinator doesn't seem like the best way for an organization to be operating. It would seem like you would want to have these things all tied up. Now, again, Todd Munkin seems like a good hire. I'm not down on Todd Munkin. I I think the the Ravens might have found something in Todd Munkin. We'll find out. I mean, we can't know that answer today. I I don't I'm not it feels like I'm I'm suggesting that they failed in their offensive coordinator search. I have no idea if they failed. I know it's weird. It just feels like it's more of a uh like a like a risk adverse move. They want to pick a guy who Obviously, has a, he has a ba- makes a balanced a balanced offense. It's that, an that interesting can, way of looking at yeah. it—a risk averse move. I don't, I don't think they were ever hiring someone that was going to yeah, come in yeah, and the, say. And I think it would you be need a number one offense. I like, think it'd be insane to say, "Let's make sure we hire somebody who definitely wants to throw the ball sixty times a game." Remember, that's what they were doing with Marty Morningweg, right? Once upon a time, they were like, 
let's find a guy that's going to throw the ball a bunch of times. And it was nonsensical because Joe Flacco's arm was the one strength that they had at that point. Like, for all the knocks on Joe Flacco, what was the one thing that you couldn't question? He had a rifle. They hired an offense coordinator who wanted to throw the ball 40 times in the middle of the field, shorten in the middle of the field. It just, it was weird. It made no sense. I think this is a, stylistically, is a logical hire. Again, I like the idea of hiring Todd Munkin. But did they have someone else in mind that they thought was a better fit? I definitely think they, I think Harbaugh had a guy in mind, just as Lamar probably had the enemy in mind. And then DaCosta brings in Munkin as kind of a middle kind of I don't, I mean, I don't, both sides. I don't know about that. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. I don't know that they really if, – if they're not committed to Lamar Jackson being their quarterback, why – they could say all they want about, well, he's going to be part of the process. If they're not certain he's going to be the quarterback next year, why would his opinion matter? Like, if you, if you think that that's going to help you in negotiating, I would think that at some point it's become very clear this is going to get done if you're willing to meet what he's looking for or not. Like, that's what it comes down to. It would almost be, again, reckless for them to say – well, we might not have Lamar around next year, but let's let him help in picking the offensive coordinator to try to help that. Imagine you go with Lamar's guy or you let his opinion matter, and then you end up trading him anyway. It's kind of crazy. Like, it's kind of nuts. So I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of that at all. I don't, I don't know what to make of this situation, and I keep saying the same thing. All that really matters is does Todd Munkin work out as offensive coordinator, right? Like, that's the only thing that matters here. But very odd that you continue to let this thing linger for so long that it apparently impacted your ability to find an offensive coordinator. Today's show. Also brought to you by, ooh, this one's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll talk more about that report when Jordan Schultz from The Score joins us in the second hour. Also, we'll talk more about Todd Munkin when Jacob Hester who was with him at LSU once upon a time, will join us, Jacob Hester, now a media personality. Also, we'll talk about what Todd Munkin did most recently at Georgia, uh, get his thoughts on that. So all of that coming up. Plus, we still need to do fighting words. If we can squeeze in a movie review, I'd like to do that. And somebody did ask if I saved any piss and vinegar for the Orioles only putting five spring training games on TV. (laughs) Probably not, but I'll talk about it anyway. I just, that, you want me to be angry about them doing exactly what we knew they were going to do? Like, come on. What am I supposed to say? That's stunning. Stop. Tonight in College Park, 6.30, Maryland looks to uh, get a top-five victory. Uh, They did a really nice job the first time they played Purdue on the road, held them to 58 points, but fell behind by so much they just couldn't fully climb out of that hole. Let's talk now with uh, a man who knows a thing or two about Purdue basketball. He is also, of course, columnist, college basketball expert for CBS Sports. He has a friend, Mr. Jerry Palm, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Jerry, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you as always, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Oh, thanks for having me on. Jerry, if you could, what is the, 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 the difference in reality for Mayor? Like the, as much as the story has been a good story this season and as comfortable at the moment as they look for being a team that's going to get into the NCAA tournament, if they were to get a top-five win, and I guess the question would be, you know, if, if Purdue loses this one too, how long do they stay in that territory of being that caliber of win? 
but what would the reality difference be for like their resume and what they would look like moving now towards the NCAA tournament if they could get a win like this? Well, it would be their best win of the season for sure. And that obviously, you know, that helps. Um, and it can differentiate you between some of the teams because Maryland is basically a eight, nine seed type of team right now. Right. And so it's a kind of a win that, you know, most of the teams in that part of the bracket aren't going to have. So it can really differentiate you. Uh, but the, the thing about Maryland's tournament resume is that they're basically a home court hero. Uh, UCLA is the only team to beat them there, you know, beat them enough for three losses, but <laughs> right. still right. it's only one, um, you know, so that's, but otherwise they've been really good on their home floor. So, you know, you want to make sure you can take advantage of those opportunities. And so obviously a win like this is really good, but even better would be beating somebody competent away from home. Sure. I understand exactly what you're saying. And, and by the way, not a lot of teams have done that at all in the big 10 this season. It's sort of the way that it's worked. Um, Jerry, what is, what yeah, is, it is, yeah. I mean, it's just sort of the way the league has been, right? Um, what is Purdue? At this point, like I, I, I remember talking with our friend Chris Naki a couple weeks ago and he was like, well, there's, you know, there's Purdue and there's a bunch of like, you know, 500 teams in the Big Ten. And I said, and if Purdue didn't have an alien at That's center, would, would they be more like a five? Like, what, <laughs> what is Purdue? We see them lose the other day. And I know that like Northwestern looks pretty good at the moment, but like exactly what is, uh. are, are they dominant or do they just have someone who's not human in the middle of the floor and otherwise they're a very beatable basketball team. Well, I don't know. Cause we haven't really seen them without uh, Zach Eady in the middle of the floor. I mean, there are parts of the game obviously where he's not playing, but um, he rarely gets in foul trouble. Um, so he's pretty much always out there. Uh, yeah. He's a difference maker for sure. And the thing that he does, it opens up, you know, uh, uh, shots for the guys on the outside because you have to decide what you're going to do with Zachy. Right? Are you going to double him? Some teams triple him, make him get rid of the ball, but then you're giving up an open shot, and then you're taking your chances that those guys are not going to hit their shots. And sometimes that happens. I mean, it's shooting, right? Um, but you know, I I think um, you know if if Purdue is getting to run their half court offense, you got a problem because they're really hard to defend. They have so many sets. They execute really well, even with freshman guards, uh, which was the big question going into this season. Um, I think, uh, you know, Zach Eady's performance is less surprising than the performance of uh, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, the guards, freshman guards, have played outstanding this year. And when Purdue takes care of the basketball, I don't know how you beat them. So Maryland at Mackey Arena forced 15 turnovers right uh it allowed them to come back from 17 down and you know get a shot at the end of the game to possibly tie it so and lately you know purdue struggled because they're turning the ball over they had 16 at indiana 11 in the first half they had 17 against iowa who never really threatened but were able to come back some in that game they had 16 again at northwestern 12 in the second half four inside the after the last TV timeout and you just can't win that way. Right. So, you know, and they've struggled in particular against full court pressure because once the ball's in the half court, you're, you're pretty much done with Purdue. So, um, and Maryland, Maryland's half full court pressure gave them trouble in the second half in particular. So if I'm Maryland, I'm, I'm pulled, I'm bringing out the press and we're playing 40 minutes of press and I don't care how tired we get. 
we're playing 40 minutes of press because that seems to be their weakness. And obviously the concern— Try and keep them from getting the ball up the floor. Right. With the concern being that, to your point, like Maryland's not very deep, and it's hard to do that for 40 minutes when you're not very deep. But considering how much it worked and considering you'll have kind of the momentum of what we're expecting to be a a rabid crowd tonight and the energy that you should be able to get from that and that they had an extra day with this being a Thursday game in order to get ready for it, like it sort of seems to make sense that like you saw that it worked. Why wouldn't you immediately attempt to replicate it? And instead of falling behind by 17 points, put yourself in a great situation in order to try to go win this game. Put put, put pressure on Purdue to to try and come back. That's what I would do. Yeah. But uh, that may not work. You know, it may not work because, you know, Purdue's players are smart and they're they're good players. So they're going to figure this out sooner rather than later. So, um, but yeah, I think you got to give that a go. I mean, that's that's what I would do if I if I was scouting Purdue, and, and you know that that my scouting report would be, we got to we got to give them pressure in the backcourt, see if we can get turnovers and easy shots because it might be hard once we get into the half court to defend these guys, which they should know. Of course, they have played them once. They don't need me to scout scout for them. <laughs> hey, Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, with us here on GCR Maryland Purdue tonight in College Park. Jerry, like again, I, there's I I keep saying it this way. I feel pretty good about the direction of Maryland basketball, both the the micro and the macro. Like the micro is they've exceeded expectations for this season. Getting to the NCAA tournament is is would be a major accomplishment, even if we sort of acknowledge that we don't think they're a team that's likely to do anything at that point. Just considering it's the first year, considering they they can't hit a three, considering their lack of depth, it's 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 pretty remarkable. But I think the macro is the thing that is more, you know, kind of overwhelming. That if that's the foundation that you're starting with as Kevin Willard, and we've been impressed by just in-game stuff that we've seen from Kevin Willard, to your point, the way that they battled back from down 17 at Purdue, if that's the foundation that you're starting with, I don't want to get carried away and suggest that, like, Kevin Willard can get Maryland back to, you know, a Final Four caliber program, but given the talent that's there, given how he's done in recruiting – it, it seems like there's a pretty solid statement being made about the direction of Maryland basketball on the whole, right? I would agree. I mean, I don't know anything about Maryland's recruiting. Cause I don't follow it. I sure, don't have time. Right. That's not your, uh, I, barely, I barely follow my own team's recruiting, <laughs> right. but um, you know, but he's a good coach. He's been a good coach everywhere. He's been, he's been a good coach. There's no reason to think he can't build a successful program at Maryland. Uh, so I, I would be surprised. If he didn't, you know, I don't know how you all define successful. Right. But I'm, you know, I would define that as regularly getting to the NCAA tournament. Well, that is how I would define success. Yeah, you know that there wasn't a lot of love for the last guy that was here, Jerry. And, you know, he did win a fair number of games. It's right. Like, there is a belief that Maryland is supposed to be that type of program. They're, they're supposed to, you know, at, at least be threatening to make Final Four runs every so often. And I get that that's not you know, anywhere like besides what Kentucky, Duke, you know, wherever you want to say, anywhere besides those places, it's very difficult. Kentucky, who may not even make this year's uh, exactly tournament. Right. But yeah. Exactly, right. Exactly. That you know, is the expectation of Kentucky. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like it feels like, it, again, I, I don't know if I'm crazy. If this is what you're doing now, when you, when you don't have any real rock stars on your roster, right? Like, when you don't have depth, like, I, can we project that and say, you know, if you get a couple of players, if you can maybe have nine guys you can trust to put on the floor at some point, there's reason to believe that you can get to that level. Yeah, 
I would think so. Sure. You, you got to have good players and you got to have players that fit the system he is trying to coach to, you know, whatever. And, you know, you're trying to build an identity with the program, you know, like Purdue's got an identity, right? right? You right. know what you're going to get from Purdue. They're going to have a, they're going to have a big man. They're going to run things inside out. They're going to have good shooters. Uh, they don't make a lot of mistakes. You know, that's Purdue's identity. You know, just, they, they're, and they're going to fight you. Uh, so, you know, that's, so the Maryland, when you get a new coach, anybody who gets a new coach, it's got to build a culture and an identity. And that doesn't happen overnight. Um, but, you know, how you recruit to that is really important. So sometimes it's better to have a guy that fits instead of a guy who might be a little bit better but isn't a good fit. Um, is Northwestern actually establishing themselves as a team that's kind of separating a little bit? Or is this just, again, the story of the Big Ten that every week there could be another team. We were hot and bothered about Rutgers at one point. If Maryland wins tonight, we'll be hot and bothered about them. Like, this is just the nature of the Big Ten. And outside of Purdue, every other team has about the same chance by the time we get to the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. <laughs> the latter. Yeah. It's just, you know, Northwestern is doing well at the moment. Um, that, that, you know, they beat Indiana and Purdue, but they're both at home. Yep. So, you know, it's the, the teams that can find ways to win away from home. And Northwestern swept Indiana. So they won at Indiana, too. Um, but, yeah, there, there are no easy games in this league, and especially on the road. So um, it's uh, the, the fact that Purdue's been able to pull away is, uh, you know, to the extent that they have is pretty remarkable because it, it's not easy in this league. Oh, no question, right? Like even being a little bit better than everybody else, it's been a very difficult thing to do. Jerry, before I let you go – nationally who's good right like who do we know with certain is a a a true i would be stunned if this team didn't make a deep run a run past the sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament how many teams are we confident about at this point as we get deep into february i mean uh well there isn't a dominant team um, there's, you know, like some years we've had, you know, one or two or three that have separated themselves from everybody else. And I don't think right. we have that this year. That's what I thought. Um, I, yeah, you know, there's, there are a lot of teams that can win the national championship. I maybe a dozen okay. that, you know, uh, they get the right matchups because the matchups are so important in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, and Purdue is one of them. Um, but you know, Kansas and Alabama and, yeah, you know, Tennessee, if they can shoot, and Arizona and UCLA and Baylor and Texas. I mean, there's a lot of that are capable of putting six wins together, um, but the matchups will be real important. And, uh, um, you know, for me, Houston will be the most interesting because they're the least tested sure, team sure. during this season because their league is, is, is down. Um, you, know, you know, the American is usually good for, oh, you know, a couple at-large teams or whatever. Memphis is really the only contender for an at-large team in that league outside of Houston. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do once the competition ramps back up for them again. That's a great point. And, of course, you know, we, we saw them earlier on in the season play in Alabama, but they didn't win that game. They, and we do know they beat Virginia. But, yeah, you're 100% They right. did win at Virginia. Right, right. That's defi- And that stands up, there's no doubt. But, you know, it's sort of like the Gonzaga argument that we have yep. all the time, right? Like, how much does what happened in November Except and December? Gonzaga Go ahead, well, yeah. but that's, yeah. you know, Gonzaga has played really good schedules, you know, better even than Houston did this year. Not that Houston's not trying to put a good schedule together, but, um, 
you know, Gonzaga has played very good schedules in November and December. They'll play anybody anywhere. Right, right. Um, because they need to, their league isn't going to give it to them. So um, now they've made Final Fours. They've made the national championship game. They, they haven't won that one yet. But it's, it's helped build the success of this program. So, you know, they're a little bit off this year. I don't think they're capable of that kind of run this year. Um, but they're still a very good team. At J.P. Palm, CBS on Twitter is how you follow him. You see his stuff at CBSSports.com. Jerry Palm, really appreciate you taking the time for us, man. I'd love to do it again around the NCAA tournament if that's all right. All right, thanks. Jerry Palm with us here on GCR as we get ready for Maryland-Purdue tonight at 6.30. By the way, the line is one and a half for tonight. Uh, Maryland one and a half point home dogs against Purdue. Um, Griffin, did you figure out what time you're leaving? Did you figure out uh, when you're... Tip off at six thirty. You better. Yeah, I'll probably. I mean, five thirty would be great. <laughs> Dumb. He's doing shtick. He's not actually going to leave at five thirty. I mean, the what way time, I legitimately, I drive like Travis Pastrana. Stop. Be, you're not. What time are you gonna leave? Uh, like about like before four thirty. You better be before four thirty. Yeah, well, hang on. You got to turn Charles' microphone back on while you. I know you got to call Jordan Schultz, but go ahead. Drive on the two ninety five shoulder the whole time. I mean, uh, just see if you can get away. Get away yeah. with it. How long you can go? God, there was somewhere I was recently where somebody was trying to pull that off the other day, and I'm like, congratulations, dude. You're definitely more important than the rest of us. You are far <laughs> more important than everybody else. You've nailed it. I do. I will admit the one bit that I do. Uh, when I leave here to go to the gym in Hunt Valley, I, if it's during traffic, I will get on 695 at York Road, but then immediately get off on Charles Street and never merge and just use that lane then I'll get off on Charles Street and I'll turn left and get right back on 83 from there to go up to Hunt Valley. So I absolutely get on 695, but do not wait in traffic. I just drive right along that that merge lane. To the next exit. Immedi- assume, yeah. Immediately yeah. get off and then get right back on, but that's where the 83 split is so I can get to the side where it goes off to 83. I, I, have, n- I have perfected that maneuver. And even sometimes that lane is troublesome because everybody's trying to get over. I admit I do. I use the shoulder <laughs> in those situations. I ain't waiting behind you. I am oh, getting around. Right. I'm going right to it. All right. We uh, talked about it. Our next guest reported yesterday uh, offensive coordinator candidates for the Baltimore Ravens not given assurances that Lamar Jackson will be their quarterback even for this season. He is NFL insider for the score. He is Jordan Schultz, and he's with us now here on GCR. Jordan, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. I don't know that we should be stunned by this news because we all know that Lamar Jackson's like future is in doubt. But I do think there was a thought from some that like worst case scenario, Lamar would play under the franchise tag this year and they go run it back out there. I guess this confirms that the Ravens are not operating with this thought that that is the worst case scenario. Yeah, I think you know it's a little bit tricky because. He doesn't. Lamar doesn't have an agent, and that that gets makes things a little bit murkier from an insider perspective of right. trying to extract information. Oh, but what know. I'll tell you is that um, multiple OC candidates that I spoke with basically echoed the same sentiment, which is that they're, uh, they're really not sure Baltimore what's going to happen at the quarterback position, and they if they had their druthers. Yes, they want Lamar there. I think most people do. He's a former MVP. He's 26 years old. There's a lot to like about the guy. Um, the problem is he's seen what other similar quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, have gotten. Joe Burrow's going to get $50 million this year. I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to get 45 plus and somewhere in that range. 
and he wants to be compensated. Um, and I understand that. So I, I, I would imagine that the most likely scenario right now today is a tag, um, which is in the thirties. But I think one of the interesting parts about Todd Munkin is, is also my understanding that, um, his offense will be noticeably different than Greg Roman's. And what I mean by that is I think they're going to put him, try to get him, keep him in the pocket a little bit more uh, in terms of not getting hit, really trying to preserve, preserve him. And that, when I hear that makes me think that they do want him there long-term. So, you know, to, to summarize, nobody knows what's going on, right? but the OC candidates that were interviewed, we're given no assurances. I can tell you that definitively that he will be there. Can we? Is it is it plausible for us to take a next step and assume that the Ravens might have lost out on someone that they wanted as an OC candidate because they couldn't give an assurance that Lamar Jackson would be the quarterback? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. No, okay. because I think there's so much. Like if you look at that roster, let's why don't we just focus on the offensive side of the ball? There is a lot to really, really like about it. And this is why if I'm a Ravens fan, I'm, I'm still excited and feel pretty good because they drafted extremely well. So they have two tight ends, one of the best in the league, and then Isaiah, who's, who's a very good young player. I was told um, by other teams that they think Baltimore could even draft another tight end, try to get back to, uh, try to go, you know, even have three tight ends, which, which is interesting. Then they have J.K. Dobbins, who really splashed at the end of the season. Um, obviously, you know, Tyler Lindebaum is someone they really like drafted him specifically to help, to help Lamar. So I, I think offensively, given the pieces they have and some of the young receivers, you know, you look at Bateman, I uh, know he was hurt a lot of the year, but I don't put any stock into, Oh, he, we didn't get who we wanted as a result of, um, of that. No, he is Jordan Schultz, NFL insider from the score. He's with us here on GCR. Ironic, of course, that there is a Georgia tight end that uh, Todd Munkin knows quite well that could be. In that oh, sort man. of portion Monster. of the draft, uh, although again, I, Jordan, if the Ravens draft a tight end with a wide receiver position, this this city is going to f- burn. <laughs> like this city. No, I don't is, think that's going to happen. Yeah. No, but but talking about Darnell Washington, yeah, who I think yeah. is like pushing six eight and two hundred seventy oh, pounds he's and insane. runs he's a, like he's a freak. I mean, he's a freak. He's, he's a freak. Yeah, he is. When you start to think about like who are the most gifted athletes in the class, he he is at the top of the list. Jordan, can you shed like I don't know if you just know anything about it, but like I think what I'm struggling with is the Ravens could have had Todd Munkin a couple of weeks ago, right? They clearly mm-hmm. waited. They waited past the Senior Bowl when you know they typically teams like to have staffs in position for that. They waited beyond the Super Bowl and they ended up hiring the guy they didn't have to wait for, and it allowed in the time for there to be a lot of noise about the Ravens and Eric Bieniemy in particular and. We see Eric mm-hmm. Bieniemy going to Washington. Do you know anything about like that situation and why maybe the Ravens waited as long as they did in order to hire a guy that was available weeks ago and they could have hired the first time they talked to him? You know, I I, I would love nothing more than to tell you yes, but I I totally full transparency. Yeah. No, I don't, I and it surprised me. Yeah. Um. I would. I wish. I, I wish I knew. I, I can. The the Bieniemy thing is really interesting because um for a lot of reasons, you know, he's 53. His resume is, is, is really impressive. And, you know, I was told that, uh, this is a little off topic, but I was told that, that, uh, Ron Rivera really wants him to be the guy. And I reported a few minutes ago on Twitter, basically that, that, you know, they, yeah, they, they had dinner last night and, and today is, it's not, I don't want to say it's a formality, but that that's a, a fit that both guys really like. And it's an opportunity for Eric 
to, in some ways, get out of the shadow of Andy Reid. And, and it, you know, it's a great opportunity to be the OC with Kansas City. But for better or worse, Andy Reid's going to get the credit. So I, I like that fit for them. And I think that they want Sam Howell to be the guy as well. We'll see what happens there. Oh, but I, I... from a perspective of, of why they waited to hire Todd, who, yes, they could have hired essentially two weeks ago, I, I'm not sure. Boy, I, I look. I I like Todd Munkin. I want to make that abundantly clear. It's weird to have this conversation. I I, I like him too. I, I like, actually like to hire. I like yeah. Todd Munkin. I just I just wonder, right? Like I just wonder how we got to that point. That's that's where we're at. Jordan, if I could come back to Lamar, he, for, is he? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yep. Isn't he the sixth or or seventh OC that that Harbaugh's had? I mean, it's it's a lot of guys. Yeah, that sounds. I have to start counting them. Cam Cameron. Yeah, it's a sixth. I think is right. Yeah, hang on. I I yeah. can do this math in a second. A lot. I'm, I'm on the spot. Um, I want to come back to Lamar if I could because we were talking about this at the top of the show today. What is your sense for what it, in a world where there was no franchise tag and Lamar Jackson was on the open market right now? Mm-hmm. Given how quarterback desperate some teams are, and this is like. In this town, people talk about, well, he didn't play in December, and that should matter. And I'm like, I, I, I hear you wanting it to matter. I think the Ravens want it to matter. But I don't know that it does because the Atlanta Falcons have no quarterback and are desperate, right? Like, there are so many teams in the NFL that are desperate at the quarterback position. Would, well, you're asking, what would he get? Yeah, would Lamar Jackson be able to get a fully guaranteed Deshaun Watson type of deal if he were to hit the open market this offseason? No, I don't think he would get that. No, because that's like two thirty or whatever the number. No, I don't. The only guy that's going to get that right now, uh, well, I mean, Burrow and Hurts, man, both of them are right in that category, especially given the age. Um, you know, in Lamar's case, I don't think he'd get that based on some of the injury stuff. And um, no, but he he would approach it. And you know, I asked a scout a couple days ago about about him and what I said, what just, what would you pay him if let's say he was on your team and, and he said North of 40 million a year. So, I mean, that's, that's, your, that's approaching that Jalen hurts territory and, and Herbert's going to get 50 at some point as well. Uh, Cause the market's just getting reset as the cap gets higher, but no, I don't think he would get quite the same money as Deshaun or even a Russell Wilson. It's interesting. It's very interesting. All right, I know you only had a couple of minutes for us this morning, Jordan Schultz. What can we plug for you? Where, where should people be checking you out and what you're doing? No, I appreciate that. Uh, oh, I'm on the score and um, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I love, I love all the nasty DMs. You know, people, Ravens fans are actually pretty good. I'm, I'm, you know, Eagles fans don't seem to be pretty negative sometimes. Um, but I've, I've been impressed with Ravens fans. I gotta say, even when they're mad, they're not crazy like like some of the other fans. They, they so can, I like. That. I promise you, they can be. I promise that's the case. I hope you don't end up running into that at any point. Um, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, but uh, no, I, I it's it's uh, it's been good to interact with with them, and I'm happy to come on the show anytime. At Schultz underscore report again on Twitter. Hey Jordan, really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us. Thanks so much for doing this. Any, anytime, guys. All right, take care. Bye. Jordan Schultz with us here on GCR after his report. Like that part of it is fascinating. Again, an opinion. I, I, I'm still going to separate from him on there, and I do like. I think Jordan Schultz is very plugged in and knows things, but I, I just think that there is a team. The Falcons were the one that screams at me because they were in on Deshaun Watson last year and also that looks around at their division and says, nobody's got a quarterback. If we just had a quarterback, we'd immediately be above and beyond the best team in this division and the surefire favorites to win. 
they would scream at me as the type of team that would say, if that means we got to do something reckless in order to make it happen, we go do something reckless. And I, by the way, I don't know that there wouldn't be others. I don't think any of us thought that the Cleveland Browns were going to do something like this last year. Like There was no world in which that was the thought process. But they put themselves on a corner. They were going to run the risk of not having a quarterback, alienating the quarterback they had beforehand, and being completely effed. That's the price of having a quarterback. It is my belief that Lamar Jackson could get Deshaun Watson money, if that's what he's looking for. Right, like if that's what this all comes down to, is that that specifically he wants that deal. My belief is that someone would be willing to do that. Now it's an awful lot to ask somebody to trade a bunch of assets and pay that type of price, but on the open market, it's my belief that he could get that type of money. Do you think it's necessary that a a quarterback from another team is part of the deal if he were to be traded? I I, I joked about this the other day when somebody said something like. Uh, you know, they, they give you three first-round picks and Desmond Ritter. And I'm like, well, and if you don't take Desmond Ritter, would you get four first-round picks? Like, I, I mean, I, honestly, I'd rather have – I think I'd rather have – A thousand percent, I'd rather have an extra first-round pick yeah. than Desmond Ritter. No offense to Desmond Ritter, but, like, nobody thought – He wasn't him. a first-round pick. Correct. Think, nobody yeah, thought, so. thinks of him as <laughs> that like, guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, and, I saw some talent. Like, don't get me wrong. But the idea that you would in any world I, – I don't know who a young quarterback would be that you would trade for from another team with the thought that he could be your guy. Like, I, there's a reason why those guys aren't thought of as being the guy. I, If you're not going to have Lamar Jackson, it's to draft your next quarterback. And it, I mean, I do see that NFC South is, like, very competitive for Lamar. Every team in that division, probably except the Bucks, probably will go after Lamar. And I don't even see the Falcons or the Saints having a better chance than, say, like the Panthers. Because, like, you just mentioned Desmond Ritter. I'd take Sam Darnold over Desmond Ritter. Huh? I mean, and I mean, Darnold hasn't gotten paid. It's so. just it all it all sounds like hell to me. Though. It, <laughs> it sounds like hell, and you need a lot of first round picks to go with like it. Yeah, hell when you're having that conversation. Hey, if uh, you have not p- seen it yet, the new print issue of Pressbox is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town. Boy, it got stuck on something here. I was gonna like like a G hold it up for you so you could see it, but I was struggling there. There it is, print issue of press box available right now. Go get it. Uh, it's got Gunnar Henderson on the cover. A dive into how he rose at a very young age, 21, to becoming the top prospect in all of baseball, the favorite to be rookie of the year in the American League this year, and maybe the missing piece for the Orioles to get over the hump and make the playoffs this season. Again, go pick that up right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. All right, joining us now here on GCR, let's find out more about the guy that is the offensive coordinator now in Baltimore. This man spent some time with him years ago. I don't want to age him, but, you know, we're going back a little ways to when they were together at LSU. He is now an analyst for SiriusXM. Uh, He is Jacob Hester, and he is with us now here on GCR. Jacob, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, happy to be on. Hey, okay, you can age me. I mean, it was a long time ago. I think it was 2006, if I'm not mistaken, last time that me and Monk were together. But, uh, you know, that was a long time ago. It is what it is at this point. It's a, it's a, it's been a minute. All right, so I'm going to guess that, that both of you have evolved a bit since 17 years ago. <laughs> but if you could take me back uh, to the, the mid-aughts when you were together at LSU and what you got to know of Todd Munkin both as a coach, like as a leader – as well as like yeah. his vision for offense back then. 
Yeah, so I've actually I've known Coach Munkin for a very long time. He was actually the primary recruiter for Oklahoma State in my area and recruited me out of high school. So we had a great relationship. He, he was a great recruiter in the college ranks as well. And then we spent time together at LSU. And the thing to me that always stood out about Coach Munkin is, like, whatever he was given, he was going to make the most out of. Like, at LSU, for instance, had really good receivers. And so you had Dwayne Bow, you had Buster Davis, both those guys' first-round picks. Yeah. And then you look at early Doucette, he was a third-round pick, and that was all in one room. And Coach Munkin really developed those players into the people and players that they were. And so he was given that at LSU. Like, at Georgia, like, they didn't have a lot of, of high-end receivers. I mean, they had George Pickens, but he was hurt in his time there in Athens. And so he had to do it. A different way and he did it with running backs and tight ends there because that was the best skill set that he had at Georgia and so for me like the biggest strength that Munkin has is you give him what you have available and he's going to come up with an offense to create mismatches with what he feels like is his best talent it was the best thing they did at Georgia this year it was always mismatches against Brock Bowers those other tight ends Kenny McIntosh out of the backfield and with pre-snap movement and other things Munkin would always find a way to kind of hide the fact that they really didn't have a top-end, top-talent receiver. Uh, let me let me try to project that a little bit, if I could, Jacob. Um, the, the, we saw the 49ers last year, and by the way, it might be the Brock Purdy is going to prove to be a rock star in the NFL, right? Like, it, it, it maybe that's the case. Yeah. But we saw them make this work and compete to a level where we thought they had a chance to win a Super Bowl despite not having a surefire rock star quarterback, which for the most part is impossible any longer in the NFL. Like, that doesn't happen. Todd Munkin is entering a situation in Baltimore where we hope he's going to have a surefire rock star quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Right. But we don't know that. Is Todd Munkin so good at this that if the Ravens tried to run it out there next year with, you know, a stopgap, a Derek Carr or somebody like that, or with a rookie quarterback – that you, that your faith in what he can do with his talent is so much that he could make that team still competitive at a high level despite not having a superstar quarterback? No, nah, I truly believe so. Uh, you mentioned the 49ers. The 49ers were so good at the things that Todd Munkin showed that he was really good at in Georgia this year. It was the pre-snap, the shifts, the motions. How do I create a mismatch? How do I get my best players against players on your defense that don't have the same ability as them. And that's, that, that sounds easy. Like That sounds like everybody can do that, but it's just not the case. And only the great ones can do it. And I think Coach Munkin has that ability. I, I think if, if you look at and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Stetson Bennett. I think a lot of people have done that in the past. I think sure. there is a skill set there. But he just took a, a former walk-on quarterback in Stetson Bennett and had him in New York City for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I mean, there's limitations to what Stetson Bennett can do. And, again, not being disrespectful, that's just the way it is. But he got the most out of what Stetson Bennett could give you. And that's what a great coordinator does. Like, any, anybody can sign up for, you know, the team that's got three first-round receivers, a second-round running back, and a, you know, future first-round pick at quarterback and go out there and be successful. It's, okay, what do I have? How can I get the most out of it? How do I make this talent? go to the absolute peak of what it can get to. Well, if you think about it, he got that from Stetson Bennett over the last couple of years. And every year he got better as well. So there's a development part of it as well. And so for me, like you, you might like, if, if you don't know, maybe the SEC, if you don't look at the league, like you might just assume because he was at Georgia that he right. had the, the top talent at every position, which 
He did in some positions, but not at key positions on offense. I'm going to go back to receiver. I'm going to go to quarterback. They kind of rotated running backs there. A lot of that talent that George has had over the last two years has been on the other side of the ball. And so I think the job that Todd Munkin did wasn't because he's got all the Jimmys and Joes. It was more to do with how he was coming up with the scheme, creating those mismatches for the guys that he did have that were dudes on the offensive side of the football. He is Jacob Hester, former NFL LSU wide receiver. He's with us here on GCR. Jacob, with that in mind, um, the Ravens don't have a lot at the wide receiver position, right? Like Rashad Bateman, if he's healthy, we think highly of. But outside of that, there's – mostly nothing. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but there's nobody else that's a proven NFL wide receiver that's on the roster. We think they'll try to do something to upgrade that this offseason, but one of the things that's been a complaint in recent years, and maybe almost for most of the franchise's history, is their inability to develop wide receivers, that they don't regularly take guys and turn them into quality players, given that you're a wide receiver and you were around Todd Munkin. What should we know about his ability to develop wide receivers and maybe get more of guys that aren't necessarily first round picks. Yeah, again, well, I, I would, I would kind of go, I would go to the portion of when he's, you know, had a chance to coach receivers that they you know, had the talent, and how do you get the most out of him when he was at LSU? Like he did that, he turned guys that, uh, you know, were not the highest recruited guys in the first round picks at that position, and so he can develop those players but also i'd go back to it like you don't necessarily have to go spend all this money and draft capital on free agent receivers and, and, and draftable receivers like he's somebody that he's going to take a look at what you have and he's going to make the most out of it like you have a really good tight end an elite tight end in baltimore well he just had that in georgia right. and he became one of the most explosive players in college football so you have a, a you know a skill set at a position that he knows how to get the most out of so yeah, you want to go add, and maybe you add in the, the second, third round of the draft, and that's fine, but you don't have to go spend crazy money at that position because he has shown you that he will come up with a, a game plan that can be successful. And, again, that's what great coordinators do. Yeah, you want to get them the best possible players, but, hey, in the NFL, there's a salary cap. There, there's limitations. Here's what we have. Go out there and make the most out of it. And if you can figure out the piece at quarterback, obviously, you have a dynamic, one of the most dynamic players in the NFL, we you hope. bring him back and you pair it with a piece here or there, then, yeah, we're talking about an offense that doesn't have to have wholesale changes in the receiver room. Yeah, Jacob, is so di- you know this now as a talk show host. Like, it is so difficult for us in Baltimore right now talking about Lamar Jackson. Like, we are so nervous about <laughs> the Ravens might, might be fumbling the bag on the greatest quarterback they've ever had. No, it's a very difficult conversation to have. Um, hey, with that in mind, as we talk about wide receivers, of course, you're down there. Um, Kayshawn Booty is a really interesting name to me. I, I, everybody keeps trying to like downplay this class of wide receivers, but it feels like every time somebody tries to downplay this class, oh, class of wide receivers to me, they end up being like absolute rock stars in every class. Like A few years ago, right. the Ravens took a Hollywood Brown, who was the first receiver off the board, and then all that was after that was like Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown. It turned out to be like – a, a wildly great class of wide receivers that everybody was talking down. I I like some of these receivers, but Booty's interesting to me. If you know the Injigbas, if the um, you know the Addisons, the Johnstons are either off the board or not seen as a fit, what should we know about Kayshawn Booty? All right, so so for Kayshawn, obviously, there's been a lot of up and downs in his career. Uh, he's been a star as a freshman, where he set the single game SEC record. 
with over 300 yards receiving in the game. Like he's had big, big moments. Now, obviously, there's been some struggles as well, trying to stay healthy, trying to stay on the field. Before he got hurt his sophomore year, I mean, he was going as well as any receiver in the country. Uh, I was like five feet away from him at the Kentucky game where he hurts himself. I mean, you could tell immediately it was going to be one of those year-ending deals. And then this year, obviously, there was rumors and the transfer portal was going to go somewhere else because of an NIL deal. And, uh, you know, offensively, they were breaking in a new coaching staff and they were trying to figure out what the best position for him was. For me, him in the slot is where he's the best. He's somebody that really does go with the intermediate routes, run after catch ability, I think is elite. And you just assumed, I think, a new coaching staff, hey, let's put him out wide at X, let's put him out there and let him go one-on-one with those corners. Well, that's just not his strong suit. His strong suit is actually inside. And so I think you have to understand, you know, his abilities. But there's a lot of ability there if you get him in the right positions. And so I I still think he's a pro. He's a Sunday player. I think he'll have a nice NFL career. Yeah, his stock's down a little bit. But remember the things that you loved about him in scouting his freshman, his sophomore year, those things are still there, and they started to figure that out towards the end of the year. So I still think he's a very capable receiver. He's a Sunday player again, as I said, and he'll play for a long time. So he's definitely an interesting prospect. I'll tell you this, though. Covering uh, the Senior Bowl, I was there all, all week with CSXM, and so we get a chance to see practice and, and see different guys, maybe that we don't have the biggest book on because the Senior Bowl does a great job. Maybe it's a guy with injuries. Maybe it's a guy that was in the wrong offense, whatever the case might be. Watch out for Stanford receiver Michael Wilson. He, he's not a guy that maybe is on everybody's draft as far as a top three receiver. Okay. He was by far the most impressive receiver down in Mobile. He dealt with injuries at Stanford, and that's a guy that if you can get him in the middle portion of the draft, it's going to be a steal. There wasn't a defensive back at the Senior Bowl that could cover him. He consistently made plays in 101, 707, tight red zone area where it's hard for a receiver to make a play sometimes in seven on seven. So yeah, Kayshawn Booty, I think is going to be a, a NFL guy. He's going to thrive and have a long career, but look out for Michael Wilson from Stanford. I love that, man. I am, I am absolutely going to start spending more time thinking about Michael Wilson now. Hey, uh, before I let you go, if I could, I, I assume that, you know, you, you, you do a lot of like, you know, th- there's a lot of saints fans down where you are. Can I just ask oh, yeah. you hypothetically, if, if, if saints fans were told Hey, you right now you could have Lamar Jackson, but it would cost um, a fully guaranteed five-year, two hundred fifty million dollar contract. What would the response be down there? I think every Saints fan would pull their hamstring running as fast as they could to Baltimore to pick him up themselves to bring him back to New Orleans. That's what I. That's what I thought the answer would be. <laughs> that they they I mean you have to think right now, and I'm uh, I do a local show as well. And we're yeah. on New Orleans. Um, they're, they're talking about giving Derek Carr like $38 million a year, which I, I just I can't wrap my head around yeah. right now. Uh, you, you had a quarterback in Andy Dalton who you paid $3 million a year who had the ninth best quarterback rating in the NFL, and you're going to pay Derek Carr who had the 24th best quarterback rating $38 million per year. So they are uh, quarterback starving in New Orleans. In Baltimore, you have a generational guy. You do whatever, and I mean whatever you can to keep that guy in Baltimore the rest of his career. Brother, we could not agree more about this topic. And I am telling you, when you like the way that I laugh when because I hear the same, I hear it from Ravens fans. We'll just go get Derek Carr. I'm like, what are you? What? 
Am I am I taking? <laughs> did you watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? Do you see what it takes? Right. Do you have any clue of how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl right now in a world where Pat Mahomes exists? Like yeah. my God. Uh, in, in a in a conference in which you've yes. got Joe Burrow, yes. you've got Mahomes, you've got Allen, yeah. you've Trevor, got Trevor uh, Lawrence Herbert, looks pretty you've good. Got to a, yeah. yeah. Trevor Lawrence looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you you got to have a you got to have a, a signal caller that's a dude, not just a guy. Bro, we could not agree even a little bit more about this particular topic. It is nuts to me. Uh, at Jacob Hester eighteen is how you follow him on Twitter. What all can I plug for you, my friends? Oh, look, I do off campus every single day on SiriusXM College Sports Radio Channel eighty four. We are the drive time show. So we are 3 to 6 Eastern time every single day, and uh, we talk it all. We go coast to coast. We go from the SEC, the Pac-12, to the Big Ten, and everywhere in between, and every sport as well. We are big baseball, softball fans on off-campus as well. So you can catch us every day on Channel 84. We are actually quite excited about University of Maryland baseball around here, the number 13 team in the country going into the season. We are very excited about them. Hey, uh, Jake, I really enjoyed this, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us, giving us a little insight. Really appreciate doing it. We'd love to do it again, maybe around the NFL draft, all right? Absolutely. Anything you need, always ready. Thanks, brother. Jacob Hester, former NFL uh, wide receiver, return specialist, and uh, uh, media type in Baton Rouge and throughout the SEC, and that's exactly what I thought that answer to that question would be. My God. Tell one of these teams – Tell one of these teams that don't have a quarterback that you can't give your quarterback fully guaranteed money. That's living in purgatory. The Saints right now, they they can't not try, right? Like, you have to try. They got to go out and try to win games. Are in the perfect position to be good enough to not be good enough. That's what it's like when you don't have a quarterback. You can try. You can roll somebody out there. You can't get... The idea that, well, you just you just try to suck in order to get your next quarterback. You can't get a – imagine trying to say that to John Harbaugh. Hey, you want to stick around for a year and try to lose a bunch of games so we can go get Caleb Williams next year? Sure. Sounds good to me. Definitely what I want to do is go out and try to win two games next season. That sounds like a job I would want to have. Try saying that to Roquan Smith. Try saying that to Mark Andrews. I'm just glad they don't try. Just, you know, throw the season so you can get Caleb Williams. Sure. That, that'll go over well. By the way, Trevor Lawrence was thought of as to be the most pro-ready prospect of all. It took him two years. So imagine a scenario where you stink, then you try to draft a quarterback, and it takes that guy two years. And so what, you're just giving up on three years? Because, again, you didn't want to give fully guaranteed money because that would create a scenario where you might have a year of awkwardness if a disaster happens. Do you understand how stupid this sounds? Like, do you, do you get it? you got to be willing to think about the next thing. You're obsessing over, he missed December. Fine. Now think about the next thing. It's, it's what I always say in these situations. What's the next thought? Put everything on the table. We waste so much time in corporate America because like we negotiate. Get to the. We all know where we feel. Now let's get to it. How does this end up working out? Skip all the BS. Why do we figure out that we could all work, um, uh, you know, away from the office? Because we realized we were doing a lot of BS, right? Like we realized we were doing a lot of nonsense that we didn't need to do. 
And the moment we weren't in office anymore, we were like, hey, we can still be pretty productive here. Because we cut through the BS. Cut through the BS. You want to obsess over he didn't play in December. Great. Now what's the next step? Get the guy who never plays in December in Derek Carr. <laughs> or January, anyway. Like, well, yeah, he might finish the regular yeah, yeah. season, but like he doesn't play when the game You're thinking out. about your vacation yes, plans for Christmas time. 100%. Like, that's, that's what we're talking about. That's what you're dealing with. And that's why in New Orleans they'd say, oh, my God, please, please tell me there's a scenario where we could pay a fully guaranteed contract to Lamar Jackson because if we don't have him, we're F. come back in i'm sorry i i don't want to keep doing this every day but it's what we got this is what we're doing it's crazy we'll come back in uh we'll do fighting words do you have a movie review that we can do griffin have you been yeah we can on do one? a movie yeah i got uh well, I, road trip was still yeah, in the, road trip, the chamber road trip. right yes road still trip was in the chamber. yeah did you ever watch sarah marshall uh not yet not yet you, i need you to I will. That. all right we'll try to do both of those things before we wrap up today we'll try to do both fighting words and movie review when we come back in it is uh thursday edition right i had to do it in my brain i'm like today is thursday right it's thursday edition of glenn clark radio the baltimore county police department is hiring entry-level officers started over sixty thousand dollars and over sixty four thousand dollars for lateral officers with ten thousand dollars signing bonuses available plus cadets started over thirty two thousand great benefits are available like medical dental and vision insurance tuition reimbursement 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit career advancement to more than 20 specialized units and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans a passion for service a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our Winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR, we continue along on a Thursday edition of the program. Yes, football season is over, but there is still so much to bet on this weekend. Huge events, the Daytona 500, the NBA All-Star festivities are on the way. And don't forget, we're only a few weeks away from March Madness, so like, take advantage Right now, if you go sign up with DraftKings and bet $500, and if you want to bet 500, bet 500. I don't think it's going to change the number in free bets that you're going to get. Bet $5, you get $200 worth of free bets. You don't have to use those now. You could save those for the NCAA tournament. So sign up today and have $200 worth of bets in the chamber for when you're sitting there on Thursday and Friday of NCAA tournament week wanting to bet on everything because you're just watching a festival of basketball. Sound like a plan? Seems pretty good to me. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and get signed up right now. Um, did we attempt to rework an open for fight words? Uh, sorry, no, not yet. All right. Yeah. I don't want to do the thing. I okay, don't want to do the thing just because I don't know what the rules are. I'll just are say it. Or, no, that, it's that funny that you mentioned that because since you've mentioned that, like being on TikTok for the, the show all week. Yeah. Like, By the way, th- I've heard the sound over the Michael Buffer sound yeah. over and over and over again. I like, don't know what the rules. It might be fine. It might be that like on TikTok or on apparently, social. Yeah, apparently TikTok, you can do whatever you want. I'm right? telling you on radio, like I get an email. I might be able to pull it up. I get an email every year from Odyssey reminding us that we can't do the let's get ready. to. So run. all I know about Bruce specifically is like he'll like not necessarily contract himself, but he'll like. Sell him like doing yeah. Should we the, get a cameo? Like, we, we could we could pay for a and, cameo. Yeah, you have to <laughs> pay get, like. Do we get it in perpetuity at that point? Yeah, like, I think. So. I mean, I think. Yeah, do like, we? He pays like a rate for you to like. Yeah, you, I've seen people like, like celebrities. Him, like, yeah, like announce like breakups. Like yeah, and it's over. Okay, that's pretty great. That's pretty great. I mean, if we're if we can get that, I just don't know, man. That's all. I just don't know what the rules are, and so I don't want to get us in trouble. That's all it is. So we'll work on something. I need you to spend the, this week, okay. come up with another concept okay. for fighting words, all right? All right. Uh, 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 K- Prince Charles is our resident fight fan. Well, I guess Griffin's a fight fan, too. Yeah. Um, but Prince Charles uh, came up with the idea for fighting words, giving us the biggest stories from the week in the world of boxing and MMA. Uh, what is it that you are leading off with this week? All right. I will lead off with a recap of the big pay-per-view that, w- that wrapped up in Perth, Australia this past weekend. Just quickly run through some of the results. Uh, Magachev, Islam Magachev defeated Volkanovski. Unanimous decision. Scorecards. A- a- any were controversy there at all? No. We'll get into it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, oh. On my end, I don't think there is any controversy. 48 47, 48 47, and 49 46. So two three twos and one four one. Um, we can just go right, I guess, right into that controversy. I have it down on the below, judging in the main event. Um, it's very split. I think what it comes down to is how fans watch fights. If you're yeah. a fan that watches fights as like a mixed martial arts fan and you appreciate all the different techniques, 
you it seems like you more lean towards Makachev winning that fight. Okay. If you're a fan that likes the likes the knockouts, the you, atmosphere, you the energy, you saw what Volkanovski did. Are there, are there in front of his home crowd? Are there power yeah. stats for the fight? Like like I know that like, every, oh like how many strikes and stuff. Yeah, like, so, well, but isn't there a difference Islam, between like strikes and then power strikes? Isn't there like oh, significant strikes like, and like total strikes? Right. Volk, I think, outlanded him, but Islam had control, like ground control, in almost every round, okay. if not every round. Um, I I was fine with the way it was scored. I thought Volk clearly won two I rounds. Saw, I didn't watch the fight. All right, yeah. I admitted to you guys like this just wasn't the one yeah. for me. Right, like that's where I was. It so was, where yeah. the strikes were at, fifty-seven out of ninety-five for significant strikes for Islam, opposed to Volk seventy. Uh, to 143, right. 70 out, and then 160 total strikes. It was fairly 95. even. It was the probably the ground control that gave the nod, but it was a lot of. Were there, were there any takedowns? Yes, there, Islam was the only one that landed a takedown. Okay, yeah. but it was a lot of chain wrestling and grappling, as opposed to Islam, what he's the, done to a lot of other opponents, but, just but holding. But it sounds like down. you're saying the crowd was into it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Whereas usually because, the crowd is Volk, not into it. It, it wasn't like. The, the kind of thought with Islam is that you know he he's just gonna wear you down and as the fight goes on, Volk was the st- he looked like the fresher fighter after round five. Like he won round five, yeah. it just wasn't enough on the scorecards. And but, but the a lot cra- of times so when you have these types of fights, right? Like the crowd is just like because you know how yeah, crowds they're gonna are. yell they, as soon as you throw something. They, they yeah. want it. They want to finish. They want they they don't want a five round go to the card. They they want a finish. But it sounds like the, if you get a great fight, it doesn't get a finish. Like if it's a classic fight, then the crowd's always gonna be like, "Dude, that, damn, that was a barn burner for five rounds." Like I love that. You're suggesting that the crowd was more into the fight, thought it was a great fight that just didn't have a finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so, they were rooting for their home guy because. Well, yeah. Right. I get Australia, that part. Australia. But it leads to two questions because I did see the image afterwards where they like had their arms around each other and mm-hmm. it seemed and like Islam had a black eye. Yeah. And, yeah. It, is there the likelihood that they're gonna do it again? I th- I think Islam's gonna move on to some fifty five opponents and maybe consider it again. But okay. there was su- after the fourth round, they were both sitting on their stool. I could see the quit coming into Islam's mm. eyes. Whereas Volk was just sitting there like, all right, we got a fifth round. We got a fifth round here. Yeah. It's time to lock it up. Volk's gonna go back down and defend the featherweight belt, and then if and then I, ho- I mean, ho- I hope that they get to, they get a rematch. Okay, because um, I thought it was a great. It fight. was almost as if but. Islam was looking around in his corner, like, "Where's Khabib? Like, mm-hmm. where, where mm-hmm. is he? He's not mm-hmm. the. He, you could see that he really needed the coach that he's always had. Interesting, very yeah. interesting. All right, so anything else from the card that, um, that matters? Yair defeat. It Yair seems like Yair you guys didn't much think of Yair, much Yair of Yair's the card. Yeah, kill. Yeah, no, it wasn't a good card. So Yair, Yair, Yair won. Yeah, go ahead. He this killed Josh segment, Emmett. Griffin, know, settle down. <laughs> He yeah he like Griffin said kill Josh Emmett probably gonna get killed by Volkanovski exactly, but yeah. Yair brings a different tough kind of task for Volkanovski where it's a lot of unorthodox flying strikes and like not like karate but more of like very just uh I don't know eclectic in the way he okay. strikes and goes about it um, other than that a lot of uh guys that the ufc is uh, aware of but not really mainstream um there was a majority draw uh due oh, yeah. to uh points being taken away for a fence grab which i thought was ridiculous it was alonzo wow. menafield he got his he got he got points taken away for a fence grab where jimmy crew had his feet in the fence earlier in the fight so it was kind of like uh, 
Like, it's just one of those things the ref sees it one time, doesn't. Um, for this pay-per-view, I tried to look for the pay-per-view buys, um, the exact number, but the UFC has not released them yet. Okay. I'm feeling because Dana White gave the prediction that of it was supposed to be very big and it wasn't as big as okay. he predicted, so, so he's kind of keeping soft, it low. Softened, but yeah. the gate was um, the highest uh, – it was the highest gate record for any UFC event in Australia that beats okay. UFC 243 and 196. One of those had – home in uh ronda rousey so oh the Holly Hol- that, I, oh wow i didn't realize yeah. that was in australia mm-hmm. huh. how about so that that yeah. is good for um the ufc uh, uh for current news um tomorrow uh knuckle mania 3 is going down and bkfc albuquerque new mexico live on the bkfc sure. app bare knuckle box yeah it's the most anticipated annual event on the bkfc calendar if you say so. um you know they call it knuckle mania uh <laughs> I only include it because uh, there's... Uh, there's so many jokes I want to make about Knuckle Mania, but I think I'm going to leave them all on the table. I think <laughs> I'm going to pass on every... A younger Glenn Clark would have made some very inappropriate jokes. You're still a young concept. Glenn Clark. Nope. Yeah. Not yeah. at all. I'm yeah. a man who <laughs> likes the jobs I have, and I don't want to lose any of them. So. so they have the lightweight champ, light heavyweight champion going up against their uh, interim light heavyweight champion. Um, to be honest, I know neither of these guys. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'll, well, I'll just leave it at that. You're the expert. Who, wait, who so, um, uh, Lorenzo Hunt and uh, Mike Richmond. Sure. They had the Mark Hunt, maybe? No. Nah, Lorenzo oh. Hunt. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> UFC legend Diego Sanchez, he's in their Hall of Fame. He's also going to be on this card. He's fighting WBA boxing champion Austin Trout, um, if you're familiar. Um, and then also on the card is another UFC fighter, John, John Dodson. He had a quick 40-second KO in his BKFC debut and also making their debut, former all-star defense lineman and NFL Dallas Cowboys, Greg the oh, Prince no. of War, Hardy no. Jr. No, he's Prince a piece of, of war. I don't, I, I nearly almost His last it. fight was that boxing fight against uh, Rockman, who was supposed to fight uh, Jake yeah, Paul. Rockman Jr. Yeah, Rock, yes. yep, and he knocked out, he knocked out uh, Rockman, which was pretty surprising to me because I also, I, I also know another guy that fought him, uh, Austin Lane, who is a former football player who does radio down in mm-hmm. Jacksonville. And, like, I, I couldn't help myself. I'm like, dude, I'm so sad that you lost to Greg Hardy. And he was like, dude, I know. I'm sorry. Greg Hardy's such a piece Austin of Lane has a fight coming up. I can't remember. I love Austin is. Lane. He's a great dude. He's a great, great dude. I met him at the Super Bowl one year. I happen to know his agent. And, like, he's just a tremendous human being. I love me some Austin Lane. Um, all right. Uh, do you have a third? I do, indeed. Um, to wrap it up, uh, another boxing one. Um, this is kind of a two-parter for the preview. A uh, couple boxing events coming up in the future. Jorge Masvidal is bringing oh, out yeah, that, uh, that, that as many stars funny. as he can um, from the MMA world for his next boxing event. Um, PFL's Anthony Pettis, okay. uh, Showtime Pettis, will face had legendary. One the great, had one of the great knockouts in mm-hmm. mixed martial arts history in WEC, correct? And he will that? be facing, yes. It, it was, was against Phoenix, uh, wasn't ben, it? Benson, Benson Henderson. In, and Ben Henderson's a local guy. It was their Phoenix. last event, too. It was the WEC's final event mm-hmm. in Glendale. Right before they merged with yeah. the UFC band. One of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Used the cage, jumped up. I mean, it was just one of the dopest things I've People ever seen. People don't know about that moment is that was not the finish of the fight, and Benson Henderson ended up winning that fight. That, yeah. I will have to say, I didn't know. Yeah. So I thought it was a knockout. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't finish him. Benson got up. Shut it, yeah, just so. shows you how tough Benson is, because Benson fought with a toothpick in his mouth for his whole um, career. Ben Henderson trained uh, my buddy's daughter and son at whatever the gym is that they had. I don't remember what it was called, but 
um, literally was their trainer. Got like got to know him really well. Great dude. Yeah. Great, great dude. You, you hear nothing but good things about him. Yeah. So uh, Pettis is fighting legendary Roy Jones Jr. in the main oh event. Oh, God. Uh, it is taking place April 1st in the Fisa like Forum in Milwaukee. 60! Oh, what so are we I, doing? I have some. Uh, he's collected checks. I have some more, bro. Jones Junior news. This is something I could not find much information on, but it's on the official twitters of not only Roy Jones Junior. but the a company that's holding the event. Um, Galaxy Arena AI Metaverse making history with first ever fi fi boxing match. Roy Jones Junior. versus an NDO champ. It's like an AI gener like I. What? I tried to find as much information as I could on this. It is confirmed because I can find it on both Roy Jones Jr. and um, the it. Galaxy Arena um, t- official Twitter pages. Oh. Um, the Galaxy Tower Roy is Roy Jones Jr. By the way, is fifty-four. Yes. Yeah, it's. I'm not even gonna try to explain 54. this. This is. I don't want. I don't. You know what? I don't want to know. I don't yeah. want to know. This I, I hate it. The game I, bread boxing card. I just want to make it. I want to make it. No, that is no, a no, separate event from the game. No, it bread. doesn't. Wait, what's the game bread card? So the rest of the game bread is. Uh, Rounding out the card, Vitor Belfort will face uh, Jacare Souza, mm. and uh, Jose Aldo will face Jeremy Stevens. I think These that would be a bo- very Wait, Jeremy Stevens, the tight end? Jeremy no. Stevens, uh, he was in the UFC. He oh, was okay. a right. featherweight and lightweight. And then, add, but these are bo- I, who the hell? Paul They're Daly bo- and Anthony a, a Taylor. Bunch, a bunch also of UFC fight. fighters are boxing. I players, hate it. I hate it. You got Anthony Taylor names. on there. God. <laughs> I hate what happened to this sport. I hate it. Now, that being said, there is actually I, I you kind of missed this week. There is like real significant news within boxing that like locally is important, which is that we don't know if the Javante Davis fight is happening now in April or not. Um I wanted to yeah, I, that's a, been kind of rumbling and I wasn't sure like whether really to save it or not. Five, like over the weekend really percolated. Also, apparently yeah. Javante Davis showed up in a wheelchair at the Super Bowl. Like I don't know what to I, make of that at all. Um, but Javante Davis is is going to deal with sentencing now on May 5th. Mm-hmm. And so there's a very small window here to make sure you get this fight in. The fight had been agreed to with Gar- Ryan Garcia for April 15th, but the contract is still not signed. It's not signed And we're two months away. Th- I think the plan was for them to both get tune-up fights. Well, Javante got his tune-up He fight. completed his, right. and Ryan never kind of put the pieces together to complete his you're, you're running out of time for yeah. that like you can't wait any longer mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen after javante davis gets sentenced we so it's l- now looking like ryan's going to have his tune-up fight around that time in april and they're going to probably have to wait till summer depending on what happens at sentence because i don't like, yeah that and i don't i don't think ryan's like, his his team's not going to let him fight javante without a fight before so it's just not gonna i thought yeah. the hang-up was related to the there was a rematch clause issue that they were struggling with with this fight like I don't, dude. I don't know all the details, but it's becoming clearer and clearer that this fight, like you're two months out, and there's no con. There's, I just don't think it's happening. It doesn't surprise me. And there's it goes so back to the belief that some people have that it's never happening. Yeah. There's so many guys within that division that could fight each other, but they just don't want to because they might lose. They want to take. They don't want to take the chance. Right. Yeah. They might it's lose. Not That's only them too. That you got your Steve, your Stevenson, um, uh. Why am I blanking on names all of a sudden? Loma. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Lomachenko, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah Tiafimo's, uh yeah, within. Tiafimo a, Lopez. I think he's in that cl- class or within one class of that as well. Like, 
Look, man, uh, we'll the see. Stars are there. But, like, Yervonta Davis, his sentencing is now set for May, May 5th, 5th. yeah. And they had rejected the, the plea agreement where he wouldn't serve time. So he's going to get sentenced to jail time. Like, that's going to happen. Now, how much, obviously, this is related to the hit-and-run charge, like, how much jail time he gets, to your point. Like, if he gets a month, he could try to get it over with and go ahead and get back to I I don't know. I don't know enough about legal proceedings to know what to expect as far as sentencing is concerned. But what I read was he's getting jail time. Like, they yeah. tried to do an agreement where he wouldn't get jail time, and that was rejected. So he's going to serve time in jail. Like, that is going to happen um, when he gets sentenced on May 5th. So that was the reason why they wanted to push to get the fight in in April, but it just doesn't look like Yeah, it. this all got released within the last hour ESPN yeah, yeah. please guilty uh, but did they um, uh, it seems yeah, like the, the news, there's no the news deal on the fight today, yet right? yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So but, that, but this seems really optimistic, over right? the, the latest report seems optimistic honestly from who from it, uh, Hensley actually reported about what about the, the the he reported this at the sentencing for May 5th and the fight for April 15th looks like they're he said they're closing in Oh, but that could just be Jameson yeah. Hensley because he doesn't really know all the details. Like he, the ESPN said, "Hey, please go over and cover this for us." And like, I mean, Jam- I, I, I like Jameson and all. Don't get me wrong, but like, he's not. He doesn't know the inner workings of what's going on in boxing. Like he's, he knows about the red as well as anybody else would. Like there, there's supposed to be a fight on April fifteenth, but in the last week, it has started looking shaky. Now, look, money can always be the the great equalizer, right? Like at some, but at some point, somebody says we're walking away from X amount of dollars the hell are we doing let's just get this taken care of before he gets sentenced but maybe to your point they say that money will always be there down the road as well like we just don't need to worry about whether or not it happens before may all right very good that's fighting words with uh, prince charles appreciate you thank you very much sir let's do a movie review griffin's movie reviews brought to you today by your local toyota dealer by a toyota.com the toyota tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It's time for Griffin's Movie Reviews. I do love sexy Jeremy Kahn. I do love that. All right. uh, Griffin, of course, for those that don't know, because of his age, has just not seen a lot of uh, comedy classics. Well, yeah, they're old movies. I hate you so much. (laughs) There's a lot of old movies that I've watched because they're classics. So do you give him suggestions? I do. I tell him. I assign him. Yeah, less than suggestions. Just do it. Assignments. I'll I'll take some of these assignments as well. This is more a lot of movies. To be fair, this is more of a cult classic than it is an actual classic. This is not. I would not put this into classic category, but it is a cult. This was a beloved film for a certain percentage of society. I will tell you that my best friend and I rented it from Blockbuster every weekend for like 18 consecutive weekends. Really? Well, because like my, nearly half the year before I had my before I had my driver's license, when I first got my driver's oh. license, like Blockbuster was the thing. It was cheap. You could do it. And why we didn't like they it used to be that they would put it in Blockbuster before you could buy it. Like you couldn't buy a movie yet, but you could rent it from Blockbuster. And we loved this movie so much, and we saw it in theaters that we wanted to rent it. We just I probably wasn't 18, but I'm telling you, it was multiple consecutive weekends that we rented this from Blockbuster. Uh, it starred Tom Green. It didn't actually star Tom Green, but I'm telling you, Tom Green phenomenon at the time was part of the reason why this movie was so beloved. It is Road Trip. Tell me if you knew anything at all about Road Trip before you were assigned this film. I knew nothing Zero about it. Zero about the film. And I had Road a lot Trip. of fun. I had a lot of fun. Of course you did. Yeah. It's wonderful. All right, so... 
you had went in completely. Did you, did you know anything about Tom Green? No, I didn't. You didn't know about yeah him. Tom Green. I was very confused. Like an, an American phenomenon at the moment. Like Tom Green probably begat YouTube. Honestly, like Tom Green was just some dude who in Canada went out and did these like silly videos and bought cable access time in Canada in order to have somewhere to show these like skits and silly videos that he was doing pranks things like that and MTV found out about it and gave him a show because of it and it was so different because he was really doing YouTube like he was just doing YouTube and making it a television show gotcha. it became a phenomenon in the late 90s like we were seeing something that we had never seen before and then they decided they were going to put him in a movie <laughs> they said this guy i mean t- like when i say phenomenon i mean he did like a silly song on his television show one day, and the next day it was the most popular song in America. Like Tom Green was an uber celebrity in this moment. You can't explain that to somebody now. Like yeah. he didn't. He appeared in some other movies. Uh, Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels, no. yes, was one of it. He dated Drew Barrymore. In fact, wow. there is belief that he actually dated Monica Lewinsky. At one point, of course, from the uh, the Bill Clinton scandal, there was a they did a whole TV special at one point, and there was belief that they were dating around the time of this TV special. So, give me your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I didn't really, I really knew nothing. I was, I was like, why do they call this movie Road Trip for a right. while? Um, but yeah, Sean, I mean, Sean it was, William Scott, a significant part of this film. Um, yeah, Sean William Scott. Wait, who? He was the he was yeah he was yo, one of the, he yeah. was one of the guys right he yeah. was the guy oh that, yeah, yeah he enjoyed yeah, yeah. getting the, uh, he, was the <laughs> he liked the he liked the prostate exam maybe yes. a little bit too much. Andy Dick is the motel clerk. yeah that was a cameo from Andy yeah. Dick a little bit later on in just the film. A, just a random yes it's name. a very random group of names um right. yeah I'm trying I'm trying to go through so yeah so they. So I I was it was interesting because Ithaca College was like a school that I was looking at before. Ah, how I was about like, that? well, because they had like a specific sports media okay. major, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Was for everybody that can't get into Syracuse to go to I, Ithaca? Yeah, I guess so. But, but yeah, but then I was like, well, it's out of state. Uh, it's like private, oh, it's and be I was like, like seventy thousand yeah, dollars a year. I, was like, right, I guess yeah. I'll stick with the Maryland sure, State yeah. School. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that was like, I was, I was like, oh, Ithaca. That's interesting. How about that, that's right? funny. Um. Yes, the movie starts with a tour yeah. of Ithaca College that Tom Green is giving. Right. And it leads Barry. to him, yeah, Barry, correct. It leads to him telling a story, which is the actual movie, right? Um, yeah. So that was, <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, I don't even know like where to where to start because it's kind of it is kind of all over the place. And I thought I think everything was it's very a funny. romp is what yeah. it is. It's a romp. It is an at, like every layer of it is gets more wonderful than the next. Him singing, uh if you're a Capitals fan, correct? I mean, are you fan as a Capitals yeah, fan? Yeah. They have famously used the "Unleash the Fury" as like a rallying cry at Capitals games over the years. Gotcha. It's from there's a scene. Is that the is that the snake scene? It's the yes, where he's yeah. trying to get him to eat him, eat him, eat him. Unleash the Fury! And the Capitals use that. They put it up on their screen. 23 years later, they put it up when they're trying to get the team fired up in big moments in a game. They use Unleash the Fury in order to do it. It was a big rallying cry during their uh, cap- their uh, Stanley Cup run. Yeah, so he so Barry's given the tour, and uh, so so it's so it's about Josh trying to yes. I guess Josh maintain is, his Josh long is team long term. Brecken Meyer, who was always like the perfect, like he never really became a star in any way, but he's in about a million things from that era of time where he's like he was in the Garfield movie. <laughs> Okay, there's Apparently. that. I don't, I don't know anything about that. 
He's like just rat race that I've seen. Recently. Rat race is awesome. That's all. Rat race is tremendous. Yeah, but he was in a bunch of things around that time where he played essentially the same sort of nondescript white guy. Like that was his role. Like it just he seems like he's Cuba's nondescript white guy. He's in Rebound as well with Cuba. I didn't know he was. In re- <laughs> I did not know that. He was just sort. Of, he was good looking, but not very good looking. He was not particularly. He was perfect for the character that they needed him to be in this film, which is what the film is centered around. But n- not really the purpose for the comedy in this film. He was both the the the, the leading role, but the straight man in Road Trip. Yeah. Um, so he thinks his girlfriend, I guess, is breaking up with him or cheating on him. Yes. As, at least that's what everybody convinces him Correct. of. So he hooks up with another girl. It was very lovely. <laughs> it was very... Uh, uh, God, I can't remember her name. Uh, it, Amy Smart was that who um, the one girl was? was? Yes, Amy Smart played Beth, and then his girlfriend was Rachel Blanchard. I don't know if Tiffany. she did anything yeah. else. Yes, Rachel Blanchard. What else was she in? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, she was in Clueless with uh, not, not the movie, the TV yeah. show. Oh, that. Yes, oh, okay, yes. so separate. She thing. played the Alicia Silverstone character in the TV. Don't ask me why I know that. Don't. She was on Snakes on a Plane. Well, okay, that's a classic. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a great film. Anyway, I'm sorry. We're gonna uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we still gotta yeah. take another commercial break. Uh, so, so they, so, so he shoots videos for his long, uh, his long distance girlfriend yes. who goes to school in Austin. Like diary types of videos. Yeah. Because remember, this is predates the internet. This predates, you know, you being able to talk or like, you know, it's, there's no FaceTime. There's no anything like that. So he would like, hey, beautiful, love you in their long and then distance relationship. Mail these VCRs. I know this sounds insane. I understand <laughs> what it sounds like. But that was not like that's the part that might be difficult to hold up today, but in 2000 that was all about right. So 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 Amy Smart videos them because she sees the camera, so she videos them hooking up. Yes, yeah, she they make a sex tape. Yeah, and uh, so Josh is like he tells he's late for class, so he tells his friends, "Hey, mail that tape for me," uh, referring to the one that's not Charles. <laughs> referring to the one that's not it's a great film. The uh, it's a great that's film. not the the at home porno. Yes. Um, and uh, so he mails the tape. And then he tells his friends, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I hooked up last night. They're like, no, you didn't. He's like, well, I got proof. Yeah. And then you realize. <laughs> he doesn't. Well, he not had, with him. <laughs> he sent the wrong tape. Yes. The sex tape ended up being sent to his girlfriend. He has the tape of him being boring. Like, yeah. yeah. Like singing a song with his guitar or whatever. Like something <laughs> stupid for his girlfriend. And so it becomes road trip because. Uh, because they have to. The, the obvious solution. You get a car and drive to Austin. Oh, well, it helps out, of course, that Amy, uh, her grandfather, passed away. Yes. So, so she's, she's out of. She's at. She's not in Austin. She right. went home. Yes. Uh, so he's like, oh, she's I've, not. She's not. Or she's I've, not. I've at, got at her time yeah. to try to get to Texas, confiscate the tape, so she never sees it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And everything, it's, it's everything you want in a comedic romp from that point. Like, it's sort of... The other movies have attempted the road trip concept. They just sort of laid it on thick by calling the movie Road Trip. Like, by just acknowledging what you're going to get is just pure chicanery for the next hour and a half. Kyle, so Kyle's the... I guess the nerd the, dweeb. The, the virgin. Yeah, uh, But yeah, whose right. parents have a little bit of money, so that's how they're funding this trip. Yes. <laughs> there is... I don't want to give everything away because I do think that you, if you've not seen Road Trip, I'm telling you, it's worth the view. There is a scene where they are told that they can spend the night on this road trip at a fraternity house. 
So they're and, they're they're Jewish friends. Yes. <laughs> and they end up walking into a very different type of fraternity. Right. It's a, a historically black uh, it's fraternity. So great. <laughs> it is so great. And they there fit are, right in. I'm telling you, there are so many. Like, are, is there a line from the film that you could find yourself repeating at some point? Um, because there's a see. there's a few for me. Let me see that I've never what escaped lines, from. What lines? What lines? The am I thinking of the I boinked her <laughs> after the, I boinked her. You know, I mean, what? When he's going over all the animals and what, what did he say? The bird oh, goes. Oh yeah, well, that, I mean that call, right? Yeah. Call. Oh, the song, and it's, and it's sad. I do love that. So, so yeah, so, so Barry has to feed the, the, the snake, which right. he is obsessed with. This is the with. Tom Green character, yes. and this is why Tom Green is really the star of the film. He's not even on the road trip, but yet he is a significant portion of the film because they played up Tom Green. The other, um, God, I wish I could remember, Horatio Sands from Saturday Night Live oh, yeah, yeah. And he has, does a, the, has a cameo. He's a waiter. I, I don't want to give, don't give it away. Okay. Don't okay. give it away, because, again, people might want to watch the film. There is a line that he's, like, after he brings back, he has manipulated the food that he serves. And he brings it back, and DJ Qualls, who plays the, the virgin character, essentially imagine, um, oh, God, what the hell, Christopher Mintz Plus from um, Superbad? Like, imagine yeah. that character, essentially, just from a few years earlier, right? Like, that's, DJ Qualls' character is supposed to be essentially the same as McLovin. Right, like, it's that t- it's that type of character. It's a virgin. It's a, you know, someone who's sheltered. It's someone who's awkward. It's all of those things, and he, like I, the comedic relief for the rest of the group. Yeah, very much. Yes. very much. Where they go for a lot of the comedy in this film. And I, God, I wish I could remember what he says. What he says after he takes a bite of the French toast is something like, "She's like, it's good. It's 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 it's, good. it's really good." Yeah. And I swear to God, I would say that. For, like every day, whatever. it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> like, Glad he fixed it. Years, <laughs> such a uh, the the Socrates. He's the Vince McMahon of of philosophy. Yes, correct, yeah. correct. The the um the R A character, the douchebag, the T A, the T A character. Yes. Thank you, the T A character. I don't remember who it was. Just wonderful, like such a douchebag. You rooted rooted so hard against Anthony Rapp. I don't know who. The, I don't know anything about what Anthony yeah, Rapp did with the rest of his life. He was in Twister. If you say so. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I can actually even picture him in Twister now. He was one of the, the Storm Chasers. 100% he was in Twister. Wow. I've never done the math. That was the same guy. Holy <laughs> crap. I just learned something today. How about that? Um, I, I, God. I just want, there's so many things I want to say about Road Trip. It, it is a joy. It is a delight. It will, you will laugh with your teeth out. And you weren't even born when it came out or you were just born when I was when did it come out it came out it came in 2000. Out in 2000 but I don't know when in 2000 okay. it came out uh yeah. it got a 50 50 chance yeah. born in June so. yeah Charles Charles that's born, right yeah. Charles was not born yet you uh I can't I don't have no, a release I, date I, I don't have I, a, actually I just realized may, I have the Wikipedia may, may 11 May 11 okay so I was about uh about a month and a half old yeah you were a month and a half old when this film came out other than the technology so like other than the silliness of the VHS how does the film hold up uh, I think it holds up pretty good because you got you know you got you got Tom Green essentially just telling the story and uh, he just carries it and I just and, think this the road and then, trip, then the guys do enough you bring up on their rat, own. you bring up Rat Race Rat Race is a play on a few different old like I can't remember there's a there's a there's a name for this type of film where like it's a competition but the concept of being on a road trip the concept of stumbling into things 
is a movie trope that has existed for eternity. Like, there have mm-hmm. been a million movies that use that to supply comedy. And it, this. Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. You know yeah. what? Tommy Boy is. It's not the entirety of it, right. but so much I'll of the plot of Tommy Boy relies on the concept of put these two guys together in a car and have them stumble into hilarity as they're out there. Well, like for like past generations, I know like the lamp, the lampoon vacations were always National like, Lampoon's vacation, a hundred percent. Christmas trains, Christmas va- like European vacation was also kind of in a car traveling. Christmas vacation, of course, was centered in a house. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like a, planes, trains, and automobiles. Obviously, that's the play, right? Like you're. You're just trying to put them into different situations where you can deliver very funny concepts. And God, does it deliver. God, I, I, it for, deliver. I forgot Tom Green sends Beth to the wrong Oh, polish. right. Oh, bo- Boston. Yeah. Oh, bo- yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love this film. Uh, all right. What is on a scale of one to ten? Um, I'll probably how, give how it. Many, how many Griffin? What did we decide we were going to give? How many um, I, don't I don't know. Did we decide on something? I thought we had something for this. It's a, just been too long. So a Griffin rate, yeah. Um, how many? How many? Uh, how many Tom Brady uh, uh, thirst traps are we giving it on a scale of one to ten? I guess. Uh, I guess eight. Mm. I got to be honest with you. I'm disappointed by that grade. I you, again. I like. I have very high. I mean, it, it's it, excellent length. You know, only an hour and a half. Yep. Um, and uh, and I think you know it doesn't. I don't think anything. Uh, it doesn't move oh, you. It God. doesn't move you. Proctor is reminding me of so many wonderful things about this film. Oh my God! What? Said, "Holy ass! Did you kill a cheetah?" God, that was perfect. It was perfect. Oh God! I, I don't um, even remember when was that at the after he boinked her. Oh. Remember their back? Oh they yeah. Back oh, my, the, oh yeah. No, I remember. Oh my God! Did you kill a cheetah? Charles, you gotta watch it. You have to watch this film. Uh, uh, Proctor also breaks. <laughs> Where'd you up. watch it on? What did I? Uh, I don't know because my, my brother like just happened to be turning it on. I was like, oh, I actually need to watch this. Are you serious? Yeah, my brother was just turning it on. How old is your brother? He is. He's uh, he's a year and a half. He's twenty one. So why was yeah. he sitting down to watch Road Trip? I don't know. We, it was like late one night, and I was like, I can't believe how much better taste your brother has than <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, maybe he probably li- he listened to the show, so he knew. He, oh, he okay. caught me in a trap, was, and I was right. like, well, I guess I'm sitting down to watch this now. Oh god! And, uh, and that is why. I, so I, I want to say it was on Amazon Prime. I can't I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Proctor brings up that there was, it wasn't really a sequel. It was just a similar concept. There was a movie called Euro Trip, which came out a couple years later, which is also really good. I don't think it's quite as good as Road Trip, but it became very famous for a song that was involved that was called Scotty Doesn't Know, which actually became like it was a, a, a dumb fake song in the movie, but it actually became like a smash hit because it was so well done. Uh, but the same concept of travel and allowing the circumstances to create the hilarity. I would encourage you to watch Euro Trip. Not to me, not quite as good as Road Trip, but also very. very I'll go. Fun. I'll go eight point four or eight point five is my final. I will set. I will accept that. Okay. I will accept it. It's difficult for me because I love it so bad. I love Road Trip so much. There, it, there is. A, it says there is a sequel. The Road Trip Beer Pong is that? That's that's when it's like when they American. I don't know what that okay, is. yeah. You, you're not aware that like American Pie was a phenomenon, right? In yeah. this country, like it was legitimately the number one movie in the world. It was like all, like the the original American Pie. Every person on the face of the planet like did the band camp joke over and over and over. yeah just saying the words band camp made john colson laugh as he walked by because it was a, it was a phenomenon and so they made a couple more american pie films and they got increasingly worse but yet they still made a lot of money so to try to capitalize on it they started doing straight to dvd american pie films gotcha. like american pie you know 
Uncanny Raid, American Pie, Naked Mile, and stuff like that. Yeah, they, that's that's what the road trip beer punk sounds like. Exactly, Straight to DVD. It's exactly yeah. what it was. It like was a, not really a sequel. It was how do we try to capitalize, make a very low budget film, and steal profit in the process. Like the DVD case with the like flap in it. Yeah, and it was <laughs> it's got the it double has, side. But it would still have the logo on it. Like yeah. people were like, oh, there's another road trip movie. And if you were stupid, you would just buy it. And then you'd be like, why did I do this? Why did I waste my time on that? Uh, but Euro Trip was good. I would encourage yes. you to watch it. Road Trip, a delight. I mean, an absolute romp. It's wonderful. I agree. Can you? I don't know what was on the list, but can you make Forgetting Sarah Marshall next? Yes. I, can I am considering next. abandoning what we do and just doing a podcast about Forgetting Sarah Marshall for the rest of my life. Like, I, There's enough in that that we can? I absolutely. Okay. I, I recently watched it again, and I was reminded to me that I think... We'll talk about it after you watch it. I don't want to. I don't want right, to waste right. it. Sounds but good. But you, you're not mad about. The, you're glad that you had road trip. Yeah, yeah, your life. yeah. Road trip was great. Makes me very happy. That makes me very. Oh, I'm very good happy. for this one. I've seen this like recently. Which one? The forgetting, forgetting Sarah, Sarah Marshalls. Marshall. It's, yeah. Oh my God, it's, it's a delight. Good, yeah. It's a delight, right? Um, and and I'm, I'm gl- really glad. Charles, watch Road Trip. It's it's yeah, it's I'll watch laugh road out loud. Yeah. And they just don't make movies like this anymore. They don't invest oh, in the comedy man. genre the same way any longer. Yeah, you're gonna like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, dude. You're gonna Bill Hader, Jonah Hill. You're gonna love Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's such a Jonah, Jonah Hill plays like a side character, and he's yet. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. All right. All right. Very All right. good. Thank you. Thank you. That was good movie review. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get two bit to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know what's on Grinder or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here is we got we to gotta fly through this to wind down. <laughs> I got caught up. We have, we've been sitting on a movie review for like six weeks, so we had to get one, knock one out today. All right, let's um, uh, quickly. Today's show is also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Yes, football season's over, but still plenty of things to bet on. And why do it with your money when you can do it with someone else's money? And there are so many free bet offers available. Perhaps you signed up with, like, DraftKings, but you've never signed up with BetMGM or Barstool. You're leaving money on the table. But you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now in order to get signed up. Tidbit is brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms with Gunnar Henderson on the cover. Go get it today. Special uh, college lacrosse section as you meet players from around the state in this issue. Bo Smoke on the Ravens wide receiver picture. It's all in there. The print issue of PressBox available right now. All right. Uh, this one's from John Goodman Hoops, college basketball writer. Um, Jeff. Goodman? John, I thought it was John. John. There's, I don't know is who John Goodman, Goodman? I, Well, I, Jeff Goodman is a I prominent college basketball writer. I don't know who that John must, Goodman is an actor. Of. A, a very funny actor. Stars on The Connors at the moment. I don't know if John Goodman is dabbling as well as a basketball writer, but maybe John he is. Goodman. Star of The Big Lebowski, among other great films. Goodman. There it is. Jeff Goodman. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's what I All said. Right, very good. Now. He pointed out that after two of these, there are six coaches, two of them faced off on Sunday, and uh, he pointed out that they were facing off against, her, against each other. There are six active coaches in college basketball who have been to the NCAA tournaments uh, seven at least seven consecutive seasons. Uh, so like, a running a current streak, yes, of, current seven streak of seven seasons. consecutive seasons in the NCAA tournaments. Can you name those six? Uh, Bill Self. Bill Self, of course, at is Kansas. He, is he involved in this matchup? Uh, no, he is not involved in the matchup. Mark Few. Mark Few is on the list, and he is not involved in the matchup. I'm hesitant to say Calipari. Not John Calipari. Yeah, yeah he he's missed. had a down season. I know. Where did he miss? He missed sometime in the last seven years. Yeah. Um, I think that they, Tom Izzo is still on this list. Tom Izzo is on this list, and he is involved in this Sunday matchup. Well, involved. this past Sunday. Past Sunday, who did they Match play this? Pa- it wasn't Purdue because Purdue lost to Northwestern. Who, who did he play then? They it, were. Is it Illinois? They it's not Illinois. Who's Wisconsin's? Coach? Juwan Howard hasn't been. They no. cr- What's who's Wisconsin? Greg Gard, <sighs> not Greg Gard. Who the hell else in the Big Ten has made seven consecutive NCAA tournaments? They, they're a red team. 
Ohio State. Ohio State. Oh, Tom Izzo. God. Yeah. Tom Izzo and Chris Mata. Holtman. Oh. oh, sorry. That's right. Chris. What I, you got you screwed me up. Chris, I, I was, Chris Holtman. Yeah. I thought I didn't realize they had made. Not I didn't realize they had made confused. seven consecutive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of like tournaments, w- was he there for all of them? Or were some of them when he was still at? Um, was it Butler that he was at beforehand? I'm pretty sure he was there for all. Of them. Has he really been at Ohio State for seven seasons? I, I mean, it's I totally so. possible. I don't yeah. pay it that close of attention. Chris Holtman has Chris been Holtman. there since. Mm. Well, how long has he been there? How long has he been there? How He's been, been there? there. He got to Ohio State in 2017, yeah, so they couldn't have all been there because there was no NCAA tournament in, in um, 2020. So that oh, would have yeah, been 18, right. 19, 21, 22. That's only four of them could have been at Ohio State. So I guess that includes so Butler. So yes, it has yeah, to include Butler. Butler beforehand, which is fine. Like it's still yeah. they're they're really bad this year, so it's probably gonna end. But maybe Mike Bray, Notre Dame. That's a good guess, but no, not Mike Bray. Uh, Tony Bennett. Not Tony Bennett. There's still one more Big Virginia Ten. Virginia hasn't made seven consecutive NCAA tournaments. No. They missed no. it the year after they. One? I think no, they, they missed uh, it the year after, after they, they lost the 16, and then they won the title the year after. No, no I think they, they won, won the, the title NCAA right after. 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 Okay. And then I guess they missed. And then I think they, they missed, missed after. it after, after winning. That? Okay. Yeah. All right. One more Big Ten coach. There's another Big Ten coach. Yes. This is current, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Who the hell else? Oh, Illinois. Not Illinois. Yeah, you said that. It's, is it's it McCaffrey? Purdue, is Fran McCaffrey? No. Though he'll be uh, tonight. Terps will see him. I don't know who Purdue's coach is. Purdue yeah. didn't. Oh, because, Purdue it, oh, because in the it wasn't yeah. the matchup. Sorry. Yes. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I see what you kind of messed with me there. I wasn't okay because I, I knew that Purdue though. hadn't played Michigan State, so I had yeah, eliminated yeah, you're right. that because I, I guess of I answered. it. Yeah, you kind of. I tried to like give you like a uh, you kind of screwed like, me up a little bit. There. They didn't play. I okay, but you know, you so know. Matt Painter. Yeah, Matt yes, Painter. Matt Painter is the other one, and there's one more. One more who has been to six consecutive. Seven consecutive. Uh, Seven consecutive NCAA tournaments. Yes. Um, and they're not in the Big 12. I don't know. Bruce Pearl. Not Bruce Pearl. Yeah, but he yeah he gets in trouble too much. Ed Cooley made seven straight NCAA tournaments? Not Ed Cooley. That's a good guess, yeah. It's a Pac-12 uh, team. I didn't believe there was a oh, Pac-12 yeah. team that had made seven straight NCAA tournaments. This is the only one that makes sense for it, yeah. Um, is it, is it uh, what's his face, Dana at, at Oregon? No. Not the guy who played at Indiana. Oh. The guy who played at Indiana, Steve Alford. Alford, I know no, he coached UCLA. Alford, no, but Mick Cronin's okay. the coach at UCLA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin. Pre- I didn't realize. So I got to do the math on Mick Cronin, where he because he was at Cincinnati beforehand, correct? Uh, yes, yeah, it was. So between so that counts. Because Mick Cronin's only been at UCLA. It's so hard to like keep up yeah, with coach turnover in college. Okay. No, so that's, that's the I guess part. that's kind of what me. I've kind of misled it with saying. Well, no, I mean that's it's just the difficult part about doing mm-hmm. this math, right? Like, because UCLA hasn't made seven straight NCAA tournaments, but Mick Cronin, Mick Cronin between has. Cincinnati between, yeah. and UCLA, has made seven straight NCAA tournaments. It's it's fine. You didn't say anything that was wrong. It's just difficult in getting to the answer because it's like if you can think of schools that have made yeah. seven straight NCAA tournaments, but thinking of like when I'm like UCLA, they just got back to being good a couple years ago. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But yes, Mick Cronin before that was at Cincinnati. So Izzo, Mark Few, Bill Self, Mick Cronin, Chris Holtman, and Matt Painter. All right. How about that? How about that? Very good. Let's get tubular because we got to go. Tubular, uh, just a reminder that gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Here's what's coming up tonight. As we mentioned, Big Ten Network, Purdue, Maryland at 630 uh, for that one, Towson tries to get back in the win column tonight as they host Delaware, 7 o'clock on Flow Hoops. Other Big Ten hoops tonight, Ohio State, Iowa at 9 o'clock on ESPN2. Everything else, find at glennclarkradio.com. They will set the rest of the Daytona 500 grid tonight at 7 on FS1 with they call them the duels at Daytona. 
NBC Sports Washington Plus, Timberwolves, Wizards at 8 o'clock, TNT, Bucks, Bulls, 7.30, Clippers, Suns, 10, NBC Sports Washington, Panthers, Capitals at 7, ESPN Devils, Blues at 9, HBO Max for the U.S. women as they are in action tonight against Canada in the She Believes Cup at 7 o'clock. Tiger Woods is back. Round one of the Genesis Open is on ESPN Plus throughout the day and on Golf Channel at 4 o'clock. Access TV for Impact Wrestling tonight at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? Uh, Star Trek Picard, the final season is on, or the first episode comes out of the final season on Paramount+. Plus. New episode of Poker Face on Peacock. Uh, Post Malone's going to be on the Practical Jokers tonight on True TV. Keep so walking. Obviously, keep walking. Uh, I'll be watching that when I get just, back from the Maryland game. He's doing the All-Star game as well. Post, uh, Post Malone? Yeah. Oh, big week for Post. It's weird, it's weird that NBA, you, in yeah. Utah they found the one white guy that they could get to come perform that would be considered... Anyway, go ahead. And then Animal Control series premiere, uh, the sitcom show on Fox with Joel McHale. It's, uh, oh, actually, that looks funny. Yeah. It does. Look, and I like Might Joel McHale. And I like the the one girl was on that show, Mr. Mayor, that I liked. And I feel like there's somebody else on that show that I like, too, and I can't uh, think of who it is. But th- we don't have time. we got to go. Okay. And that's at 9 but o'clock I will, on Fox. I will probably watch, or at least at some point, I'll sit down and watch Animal Control. I am doing my Sopranos rewatch right now. Oh. I have gotten through season one. Wow. So I am making some progress. Yeah, but I'm not. Oh, you started like, like yesterday. <laughs> no, I started at the beginning, like over the weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I started a while ago. I've been doing like an episode every night, basically. I'm not, I'm not through. I think I'm on episode eleven, and there's thirteen episodes in season one. So I'm not, I say I'm through it. I'm I'm approaching being through season one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. I'm going uh, straight love through. Sopranos. Well, who doesn't love The Sopranos? Yeah. But I just I've never done a straight through beginning to end rewatch of The Sopranos. So I've been excited about that recently. All right, very good. Uh, thanks today to Curtis, no, Jerry Palm, not Curtis Painter. I don't know why. Curtis, Where did that uh, come from? Former, N- former NFL quarterback Curtis Painter. I think Matt, Matt Painter, Painter Purdue, got me I don't know Jerry what Palm. just happened. Jerry Palm, Jerry Palm, thanks to him. Thanks to our buddy John Klossmeyer, Chase Briscoe's crew chief. Thanks to uh, Jordan Schultz. Thanks also to Jacob Hester. We'll get all that up in the greatest hit section of the. Oh, my God, it's so good. Radio.com. Stan will be in tomorrow. Yes, Stuff he will. Things. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Stuff and Stan. Stuff and Stan. Excellent. Um, Thanks to all of our great sponsors and partners, everybody at PressBox and also the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, the Maryland Jockey Club, Great Eights Memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialists, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. We have a new partner that's coming on with them. I'm excited to tell you because we're going to hook you guys up with um, some free gear and some really cool shirts and, um, you know, just stuff to wear in the coming weeks. So I'm looking forward to being able to share more about that with you in the next week. Uh, Charles, you are on uh, social. Instagram, charles.ap28. Follow Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Go Terps. Go Towson. Duke sucks.